0: It's Tuesday, June twenty first, twenty twenty two, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules <laughs> today, Junior America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by.
3: Just the face and let the owl...
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram, ManRubs. Use code Steak15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. There at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram, USA. Holsters, custom Kydex mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STAKE for 5% off. Don't get ready.
3: Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the Pillow family has been canceled by Walmart. Oh, there you go. You know what, though? original MyPillow savings from the Walmart. Like, how are you going to get a Walmart pillow and think it's better? 1988, and a promo code stake at checkout. Boom, it's yours. Plus, I got BOGO. I still think the slippers are big, big savings. Just go to MyPillow.com and throw in our promo code at stake at checkout, and and let Mike Lindell work that sleep time magic for you. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is the website, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, enjoying the first day of summertime, oh. get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms, has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. License licensed FFL if you're uh, into the tradesies and don't live in Canada. it's also got a five-star rating. Easy to use. Newly redesigned website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. A steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from mediocre medic. T-shirts, sweatshirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last and, but certainly not least, the gold standard tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Don't know? We got our new... Uh Walter Big Lebowski version 2 sitting in the studio today. Antoinette can see it. Nice. Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Get yourself a zero fuck stuck at dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Stake for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at Stake There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias the website, newest Substack, our Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on Truth Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, (laughs) Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 145. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. What's up? We've got a big show for you guys today. A lot of guests coming in. We're gonna sit down and do a little America First interview with none other than uh, Tennessee Five candidate, Robbie Starbuck, Cash Patel, and Max Miller do a little roundtable with us as well. We're going to have an America First interview with Keith Pacquiao. Brian Hamilton, the uh, campaign manager for Adam Lexall, successful primary campaign in the Nevada Senate. He'll be joining us. And we'll uh, touch on a little bit of a Jesus piece with Pastor Mike Petro. All right, well, we got some news to kick off the show today. Um, but before we get to that, let's do a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Runoff elections today. Mm. Big ones. Two states, Alabama and Georgia. Remember our great friend running in Georgia 10 against Vernon Jones. Uh-huh. Mike Collins. Get out and cast your vote for him today. And also, guest on the show last Friday, uh, America First, Trump endorsed, former admin official, now running in the Georgia 6 runoff, Jake Evans. They both stressed to us the importance of getting out there and voting in those districts today, guys, because – Due to the fact that the Georgia Secretary of State, who's no friend of Donald Trump, doesn't want to see any real America First candidates get across the finish line, they moved up the date of the primary to the first day that there's no school and like the start of the vacation season. So they're expecting very low turnout, but we want to make sure you guys get out there. And then, you know, we got Alabama going on, former Steak for Breast flag, Steak for Breakfast guest former Trump admin official as well, Casey Warinski. He's running in a runoff in Alabama 5. And Donald Trump recently endorsed uh, senatorial candidate Katie Britt, who we know that uh, Boris is a huge fan of. He's working on her campaign. And uh, she's running in a runoff election today too. So make sure you guys get out there, you Alabama and Georgia listeners, and uh, cast your vote for the reels. Um, you yeah, know who's not the reels? Is all the people that... Are trying to absolutely destroy our country. I've come to the real conclusion that unless we do it at the ballot box this November, literally no one is coming to save us. Um, yeah. It's it's becoming more and more apparent now that some of the uh, former ghoulish characters from the administration are rearing their actual heads instead of the ones with smiley faces on it that used to put on when they would be around Donald Trump uh, when he was the president. First one I saw, which was kind of interesting, up. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, who hmm. used to be his Mr. Fix-It, apparently. Uh, her husband is not really a Donald Trump enjoyer and has strong ties to the Lincoln Project. But uh, she's, believe it, well, this probably won't surprise you, Know, hawking a new book and uh, went on CNN this weekend to talk about it. Let's hear uh, all the awesome stuff she had to say while she was on there. Next, Do you blame Donald Trump for any of that?
4: I certainly blame the people yelling, Hang Mike Pence. And I would mm. think that, given he's the vice president, there are federal laws in place that would be able to prosecute some people criminally. And I am all for investigating what happened. I am all for prosecuting what people who committed Pence? crimes. I've said that from the beginning. I said that on live TV on January 6th, among other things. So that's a given. I'm, I'm very close to Mike and Karen Pence. And I am, I, I hope, uh, feel as chilled as anybody in. In reading that, I've known some of that for quite a while, also. Um, I'm also very proud of what Donald Trump and Mike Pence accomplished together for this country over four years, and that will not be washed away. By anything. And speaking of Trump and Pence, um, I just have a minor factual correction for you. And thanks for having me, Michael. I'm sure that the sad sacks on social media are wishing that you didn't today. But thanks for, you know, going beyond CNN's (laughs) usual bobblehead dolls, agreeing with the anchor and flattering the anchor and being invited back. I mean, it seems like the only way you get a Republican on these days is if they're against Donald Trump.
3: Um, And so then I know you're not a uh, (laughs) huge fan of Kellyanne Conway.
5: I am, and I'm not. I mean, it's it's hard to like understand her in a way. Like, I mean, with her husband, her daughter, all that drama. Like, she was working for Trump. It's just, I don't know. It's a shit show. I mean, she she went through a lot, you know, doing her job for him. But at the same time, she's a hot mess too.
3: Yeah, I mean, how loyal can you be to Donald Trump? We all know how he feels about Mike Pence. Right. He did refer to him as the world's biggest pussy. <laughs> we call oh. him a modern-day Judas on steak for breakfast when he received his uh, silver from the Sergeant of Arms of the Capitol Police in the form of a challenge coin on the floor of the house on January 6th. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like, you know, She sounds like she's a Mike Pence enjoyer, so not really knowing how uh, to feel about that one, but I, I, I caught it live, and I was like, mm. yes, I was watching CNN this week, and I have to... Wade through the shit to bring you all the quality news bits on steak for breakfast. Got to know your enemy. Oh, I know him. All right. Wait till they find this show. We won't be on much longer. Something else that uh, I know, Antoinette, you're extremely interested in this. You've been mentioning it for a long time now is the attack on, uh, well, basically our, our critical infrastructure of food in this country. Um, I, I know you're you know that there's something going on uh, a little behind the scenes, more than just random 20 something food processing plants throughout the country, just spontaneously burning to the ground. Spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there.
5: I think there's some more recent ones as well. And it's so, you know, I mean, oh, I don't cattle know. dropping dead, too. Oh well, yeah, like over ten thousand, like instantly, and they're trying to like one in like one situation where the livestock dropped dead. They were trying to say it was like light, a lightning strike. And I'm like, come on.
3: That's the biggest. Uh, I mean, Thor four is coming out in two weeks. Maybe
0: they're all holding hands.
3: So you know, that's <laughs> holding hooves. But you want to know what? The, and I saw there was a huge um, domestic coal train, not the singer. Or the detective, but an actual one that derailed in the middle of nowhere the other day, and there was coal all over the fucking place. So, oh, I
0: think I initially saw that, and somebody was trying to claim that it was seeds, but, yeah, it looked like it was something you know, else. It was yeah. coal.
3: Well, it, this story, this narrative is made it to Tucky, and uh, he looks very confused I guess coal energy it. seeds. He's got his classic Tucky squint face on. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, but he, he wants to know what, get to the bottom of this, so let's hear him kind of uh, narrate a little.
2: If your country has problems with its food supply your country has real problems we do no one in the administration seems even to notice because there's nothing to do with trans rights (laughs) but a lot of very strange things have happened food processing plants have caught fire one was hit by a plane at numbers that seem unlikely in nature now more than ten thousand cattle have died in kansas somehow we'd like to know more matt finn is on that story for us tonight hey matt hi tucker those
6: thousands of cattle appear to suddenly and rather mysteriously dropped dead in Kansas and now the triple-digit heat is being blamed. The Kansas Department of Health said as of Tuesday it knew of at least 2,000 cattle reported dead after the high heat and humidity. Temps reached 108 degrees in northwest Kansas on Monday, and the National Weather Service says the sweltering heat could extend into next week. Now, one Kansas farmer, Greg Peterson, says the animal health index is the worst it's been in 10 to 20 years. Peterson says southwestern Kansas saw a rare heat burst that caused the temperature to spike to 100 degrees at night. That farmer explains that on very hot days, cattle must have those cool nights just to survive.
2: Well, just as they thought they were cooling off, their systems thought that they were going to get a break, that temperature shot back to over 100 degrees. I think that's what killed those cattle. I don't know for sure, and and we probably won't find out for a couple of days.
6: Now that farmer says there are theories out there, like the cattle being poisoned, and he says every possibility should be investigated. But he notes a fully grown cattle is worth about two thousand dollars a head to farmers, so it's a major loss when thousands die. Tucker,
5: hmm.
7: oh, that's
0: a shit ton of money.
5: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't and remember. That's not including everything else. Yeah, you know all happening very coincidentally and conveniently for these people
3: just the words I was looking for and I it. feel
0: for the cattle though because that's how I am at night too I need I need to cool down
3: <laughs> you need the dip need the dip yeah
5: cattle can take heat though that's the thing know well, and and if, as long as they have a little shade and some you know water a, they're pretty good no there. I agree
3: with you and he you know that guy did say this was like the worst heat spell in like 20 30 years but I don't remember 20 30 years ago like Tens of thousands of cattle
5: just dying. Yeah. At the same time in different places. It's a bit weird. I mean, my tinfoil hat says there's a lot more to the story. I mean,
0: yeah. Wouldn't it be more widespread if it was a occurrence that was happening all over? Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah. And I was reading comments from people and people that are in agriculture, farmers and people that have lived with cattle their entire life and dealt with it. They're like, this is not normal. This doesn't, it doesn't happen like this. And their excuses that they're giving for it are bullshit. So, I
3: mean, I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to keep an eye on that one. Mike yeah. Pom- Mike Pompeo was making the rounds this weekend. He jumped on with Maria. Uh, well, now a- apparent rhino. Uh, after and listen for our listenership, people that are just coming in for the first couple shows. If you want to know more about the uh, all inclusive Mike. Pompeo Exposé. I used to be a huge fan as well. Go back and check out some of our uh, past episodes with Amanda Milius. She worked in the State Department when he was there and said that he, along with Morgan Ortegas and their band of married jerk-offs from the administrative state, made pushing Trump-era policies there extremely hard. Even though he knew how to go on TV and say the right things, he would go back to the office and they would all kind of make fun of the first family and not do anything that he wanted to. He would continue in that same kind of thread. Let's hear him on Maria this weekend.
8: Secretary, real quick before you go, I saw your speech at the Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to Majority Conference in Nashville. It was a great speech. Congrats. I think that uh, you were complimentary to President Trump, but you also talked about what your leadership did in the administration. It has sparked lots of people to talk about you in 2024. Are you planning to run for president in 24?
9: Well, thanks for the compliment. It was a great group. Uh, we need to build an American majority, an American coalition. That's what I talked to uh, the folks who were assembled there about. It was a wonderful evening. They gave me this Ronald Reagan Award. Uh, how cool is that for someone who was a young lieutenant and when he was my commander in chief? I'm, I'm working on 2022 all across the country, helping to get folks elected. And then Susan and I will work and pray and decide how we're going to best serve America as we
10: move forward from there. All
8: right. Great to see you. Congratulations on that. And it's Maria, good to see you this you. morning. This-
10: so
3: he's praying on it.
8: Oh god. we
3: mm. mm-hmm. <sighs> We're going to have Pastor uh, Michael Petro on the show later today and uh, maybe we can ask him about <laughs> how does uh praying for uh how does praying for, to be the president get you how far does that get you? Jesus bucks.
7: <laughs>
3: Jesus bucks. Yeah. Ay. Yeah. Um is that,
0: is that on the gold standard?
3: That's why you need to make the plinko noise. I don't know if you guys heard this one too. There's something else that that broke over the weekend. There was a, uh, well, there was an insurrection at the at the U.S. Capitol <gasps> this weekend. <gasps> Wait, oh, like no. a re, like a real one? Yes, an actual one. Mm. People on Capitol grounds, parading and or protesting. Oh, uh, without express written consent or permit mm. of the U.S. federal government. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did they let them in? they were in without authorization.
0: Oh, so nobody let him in. Mm
3: -hmm. I think that's... Um, Well, technically Adam Schiff let him in. Oh. You heard about this?
5: Is it the Stephen Colbert? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Well, Schiff Schiff had to
0: open the big doors just so his head would fit through.
3: That's true. Hey, I'm not going to say it because we're not time traveling, but... (laughs) Damn it. Fine. Watermelon head confirmed. Yes. Okay, there you go. Uh, Tucky broke down Insurrection 2.0, the second darkest day apparently in the history of our country um, from the Stephen Colbert
2: crew. Let's hear it. This is almost beyond belief, but just before this show aired, we learned that last night producers for Stephen Colbert's show on CBS committed insurrection at the United <laughs> States Capitol. Adam Schiff, the congressman from California who has spent the last year and a half telling you that unauthorized violations of capital space are a coup. Adam Schiff illegally gave producers from CBS access to the Capitol. And then the group, which includes the show's senior producer, a director, a comedian, and writer, remained in the Houseworth, Longworth House office building after hours. And the point of them being there was for them to harass sitting members of Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, U.S. Capitol Police say they got a call about a disturbance at about 8.30 p.m. They told us, quote, responding officers observed seven individuals unescorted and without congressional I.D. in a sixth floor hallway. Hmm, Officers then arrested them and charged them with unlawful entry into the Capitol complex. Now, that's the exact same charge that many January 6th defendants face. We'll just get right to it. It is likely that some members of Stephen Colbert's team will be held in solitary confinement for a year and a half without being charged. Why? Because this is an insurrection. And actually, joking aside, how could they not be held for a year and a half in solitary confinement without being charged? Because the precedent is in place. And how in the world can Adam Schiff, again, who spent the last year and a half eliminating the civil liberties of Trump voters on the basis of January 6th- And blocking out the Do sun. the exact same thing and not face punishment. It's like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> We're going to tell jokes about, it. oh, it's like Pearl Harbor. No, it's exactly like what happened on January 6th. So we'll take a close look at what the punishments are. Liz Cheney, call your office. You've got another committee to impanel. Adam Kinzinger.
3: You know, uh, they they were they were booked and, and
2: released.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't see that one coming. You sure? So
5: crazy. The double standard and like the, ugh man
11: does it end
3: yeah those poor guys sitting up in the gulag i wonder if they even got wind of this i doubt it I'm pretty yeah. sure they don't have tvs no
5: or the guards are like and rubbing if, they, if they do
0: sorry if they do it's cnn playing the entire time Oh my wow. god! what amazing. were you saying Internet? Yeah. sorry
5: no i just said you know like that I heard, you know, I heard, like, I'm sure everybody else heard how the guards were just so bad to, are so bad to them. Yeah. Inclusive. You know, so, I mean, you never know. They're probably rubbing this in their face like, ha ha, see?
3: Yeah, that's how you really do an insurrection. No, I got it. Mm-hmm. It's yep. funny you brought up CNN, Noah, because Adam Schiff himself, large head and all. Shifty shift. Keyed. That's another good one. Heed! Yeah. Paper! No! There it is. So I Married an Axe Murderer. It's a very highly underrated movie. Um, he jumped on with Dana Bash this weekend on CNN's State of the Fake Union mm. to talk about how, and tell me if you've heard this one before, he has all of the incriminating evidence that will eventually lead to indictments against President Donald Trump mm. for January 6th. However he can't release what any of that information is because he doesn't want to get too far ahead of the January 6th committee. Oh, I thought maybe he just forgot his password or something.
5: Well, what kind of excuse is that? It's it's bizarre that anybody buys that. Well, it's,
0: that. it's exactly the same formula for everything else. It's exactly. exactly. I, I'm going to say that it exists. Right. And then right. never produce it, but I've already said it exists, and so, it's mainstream you know, media's covered that, it. Lying, the fucking you know? mouth-breathers
3: believe it. It's, it's the same shit every time. Well, they were mouth-breathing after this uh, soundbite. Let's hear it.
4: We'll include evidence about Trump electors in battleground
12: states who submitted fake electoral college ballots, even though Trump lost these states that we're talking about. We have already heard that campaign officials... Trump campaign officials were involved in that. Do you have evidence that the former president himself
4: was involved?
13: Uh, yes. We'll show evidence of the president's involvement uh, in this scheme. Uh, we'll also, again, uh, show evidence uh, about what his own lawyers uh, came to think about this scheme. Um, and we'll show courageous state officials who stood up uh, and said they wouldn't go along with this uh, plan to either call legislatures back into session. Or decertify the results for Joe Biden, uh, the system held because a lot of uh, state and local elections officials um, upheld their oath to their Constitution. A lot of them Republicans, uh, as well as Democrats.
12: Just to be clear, you said you have evidence yeah. that the then president was involved in putting a fake slate of electors out there. Do you do you have evidence that he directed it?
13: Um, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of our hearing. Uh, we'll uh, show during our hearing what the president's role was in trying to get states to name alternate slates of electors, how uh, that scheme depended uh, initially on hopes that the legislatures would re- reconvene and bless it.
12: Will we see that he they directed didn't, it?
13: and they pressed forward with it anyway.
12: Will we, will we see that he directed it?
13: Um, I don't want to get ahead of what we'll okay. show you during the hearing, but we oh, will show you uh, what we know about his role in this.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Your committee sent a letter to Ginny Thomas. The wife of Supreme Court
12: Justice Clarence.
3: And then they tried to parlay that into her. I'm glad. Out of all the things I don't like about um, Sotomayor, the Supreme Court Justice, besides the fact that she goes to the Yankee games in full uniform to sit in the judge section, uh, mm-hmm. she actually stood up for Clarence Thomas the other day and, and wrote a little brief saying, like, regardless of the way his wife felt about the election, whether or not it was rigged and or stolen, which we all know it was, uh, she said, talked about Clarence Thomas's deep convictions for the Supreme Court and her big time affection for him. So apparently, they're friends the same way that you know uh, Scalia and uh, Beta Ginsburg were. So that they're like the new version of it. So they don't see eye to eye ideologically in a lot of things, but when it comes to human being levels, so like apparently Sotomayor and uh, Clarence Thomas are pretty close. So it was good to see, as you know, okay. people in the January Six committee and the radical progressive left continue to demonize him and throw his wife under the bus for her expressing the way she felt after the election. That the actual Supreme court is sticking up for his family. So I think hmm. that's pretty decent ish, even though, you know, she's still crap. John Kirby weighed in today as we're going to round out this section right now. And uh, and it is quite apparent that no one is coming to save us. They're just going to keep piling it on to the midterm elections. You just can't get exhausted folks you got to get out to the ballot boxes and, and, and put in referendum these people because, you know, it's just out of control. You talk about no baby formula, empty shelves, whatever you can find, triple, quadruple the prices, not exaggerating, at least in California it is. Like I said, eggs at Walmart by my house are $9.47. For how many? Egg? 18 eggs. Wow. Yeah, milk is like $7 and change. Oh For not not a gallon, like, one of those, like, skinny quarts, a quart is, like, $7. When wow. they're there, if you go, like, if you don't go to any store within the first two hours of opening, you're only getting, like, canned goods, boxed pasta, and frozen shit. Everything else is gone. That might just be because you're down south.
0: No, I mean, I, I live in, like, kind of nice. I went to Albertsons you know. yesterday in the evening, and it was Packed? decent. Decent decent yeah, yeah we stuff- don't
5: have it that bad here and we buy the best milk we buy only like a certain kind of grass-fed pasture-raised you know 100 percent natural and yeah it's more expensive you know than the regular milk that you can buy at the store full fat milk but it's it's more expensive a little more expensive but it's not that bad
3: it's bad out here mm.
5: crazy yeah
3: but we're, wow. we're getting close i mean there's there's dozens of gas stations in california right now that are over seven dollars there, there is I think five in San Diego County right now that are over seven.
0: And there's no reason for it. That's just price gouging at yep. that point because yeah, like it's pri- it's either this is the price or this isn't the price. Uh-huh. Like if yep. you're gonna have your price be twenty five cents higher because you're off a freeway exit or you're close to the border. Like I literally was leaving down south and I stopped at a gas station. I was like, holy shit, that can't be right. And I drove up further north, like twenty cents cheaper. Yeah, I mean
3: the the overall price of gasoline is what we're we're reeling because the OPEC plus three nations are really taking a victory lap around Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. They they literally are, so they they know he pinned himself into a corner. And uh, but that's neither here nor there. There's is there is only one person who is responsible for all the things that are going wrong in this country. We all know who he is. Um, Vodka aficionado. Putin. Mm -hmm. And that's not his fault. Let's hear it.
5: April. Hi, John. Um, Hey, April. Two questions. Um, Going back to Ukraine, could you talk about the implications of the grains issue that's heightening uh, in Ukraine as the um, president of Ukraine talked to the AU about it, the African Union about it, and also the repercussions of what happened in Texas? Um, on a national security front, when it comes to basically calling President Biden the acting president?
11: Mm. Uh, So I'm going to come back to you on the second one because I'm not completely sure I understand the question. But on the first one, let me just do the grain one first. We've talked about this before, President Putin is, no kidding, weaponizing food. Oh. Let's, let's just call it what it is. He's weaponizing food. He's got an essential blockade there in the Black Sea so that nothing can lead by sea. And that's, of course, how Ukraine has historically gotten its grain to markets. And so the president's working with the leaders around the world to see if there's other overland ways we can do that. Uh, and he's exploring a range of options. He's keeping an open mind about how that would look. Um, and, um, and there's lots of other of our partners, particularly in Europe, who also want to see that done so so there's a lot of work being done here uh but uh but as i said i think the other day last week you know we know time is not on our side i mean this grain is a perishable commodity so we want to get it out as fast as we can that's
7: what i know said. how
0: to solve the problem hmm. every hollywood actor just fill your pockets with grain before you go over and <laughs> yeah, hand job Zelensky. grain I mean, job
5: one way
3: <laughs> don't worry no it fill your pockets and your shoes he wasn't done. Wear some boots, maybe. We're going to double down on that, because when we can't blame Putin... Galoshes. What do we blame? Oh! Come on. Somebody knows the answer. We had to live with it for a long time. Trump? No. Climate change. And close. Racism. Oh. Getting warmer.
5: White supremacy?
3: Oh, COVID. We're mm. doing COVID again? Well, wow. oh, let's listen. Are, Mr. President, are
14: you... Uh, Convin, you have. I know you're looking for more money from Congress for the, this vaccine campaign and for for COVID funding going into the fall. Uh, how much of the supply of vaccines for these small children? uh are is necessary. there and and how many Zero. of the nation's kids will you be able to get vaccinated before you need more money uh, from
0: congress
15: well we'll get through at least this year we we do need more money
0: depends how many we don't die.
15: just need more money for vaccines for children eventually uh, we need more money to plan for the second pandemic there's going to be another uh, pandemic
7: me,
15: and that's not something the last outfit did very well that's something we've been doing for fairly well that's why we need the money.
3: The last outfit. You pooped in the last outfit. (laughs) You hear that, Antoinette? We need some money for the second pandemic because another one's coming. Did Biden just accidentally say the quiet part out loud? I don't know, Antoinette's like getting ready to crack open a white claw.
0: Uh,
5: No. (laughs) I haven't drank in a while. I'm drinking fucking Red Bull, but
0: I need one of those.
5: Um I mean we were taught we've talked about this for two years now, like that the first COVID round was just kind of a tester teaser for what they really have planned. I mean, at least.
0: Like, I really think they thought they were going to be able to to off, weaponize yeah. the monkey pox. And I think that was just a wet blanket. There, But it was like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you and your stupid monkey pox and the fucking <laughs> monkey you walked in on yeah. or rode in I mean, on. I throwing
5: anything <laughs> at the wall and hoping it sticks. It's yeah. just so bad. You just see, like, it's, it's so, they're so scattered.
0: Like, <laughs> I, I would have I believed, like, aerosol herpes, like, to get people to wear masks more. Or something.
3: Like, I know, right? Well, I mean, the long—I guess, really I guess that's well. monkeypox, kind of. The long documented transmission of how monkeypox is spread—it was just like, yeah. I mean, if if like dads and kids start getting that stuff, we're gonna have to start really asking questions. I got it from the toilet seat. Yeah, got I it. swear. Yeah.
5: I was huh. literally just thinking that <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what those little uh, free cowboy hat things are for.
3: Well. Oh. I think we could all rest assured that no one is coming to rescue us, so we need to continue to <sighs> hear these narratives, see the projection. Not the
0: American Rescue Plan?
3: No. Not vote for COVID relief. Oh. Trillions and trillions of dollars. Vote for Pedro? Maybe. Vote for Pedro. There you go. Um, well, let's just see what happens mm. as we're getting ready to uh, – well, we'll get cheered up a little bit because we got a couple of America First guests coming in right now. We're going to sit down with our good friends, uh, Cash Patel and – Max Miller
12: nice
13: Yo.
3: all right joining us first on the show today two of our favorite guests Uh, the first one is well we keep talking to all of his friends and find out that he was uh, you know pretty much the chief of staff of everything and uh, one of our favorite reoccurrings. Mr. Cash Patel thanks for joining us thanks so much for having me and uh, coming back circling back been a little while, but uh, we're glad to have him here with one of his great friends. He's the nominee for Ohio 7, America first candidate, Trump endorsed Mr. Max Miller. Thanks for coming back on with us as well.
10: Thanks, Bruno. Happy to be here.
3: Guys, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you two?
10: Living the
16: dream one day at a time. Uh, Max is uh, going to win that seat and it's going to be awesome. And he's going to run some pretty solid investigations in Congress. And I can't wait to, to see him in the seat. He was the first guy I ever endorsed for anything <laughs> when I left the White House.
7: Nice.
10: And nice. I was like,
16: this one might hurt you more than help you, but hopefully it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't end up hurting him.
10: Yeah. No, it's uh it look, it's it's, it's been fun. Uh, you know, still Ron, as I was telling you before we kick on, you know, like yesterday, for example, I was out on the road at six forty five AM, came home at nine PM. Most days usually don't get home until ten or eleven, but It's been awesome to see. And we've gotten a great reception from the constituency. We knocked out 72 percent of the vote in the primary. And we're going to take this thing all the way to November and just continue to drive home on those America first policies and bring some relief to the American people. Because Biden doesn't know his left or his right. And the only assault anything that I've seen was a funny meme. They called it an assault bike because the guy just ate it so hard. And that's what it is. There's no assault rifles. It's a rifle. But he had an assault bike because it assaulted him. So I think it's pretty fun.
3: He's fallen up the stairs. He it gave us let's go, Brandon, I agree on Christmas Day. Common sense bicycle <laughs> laws. And then that whole bike thing the other day was just
16: Well, he skipped over the most important one. He gave us Ultra MAGA. Oh, he did he yeah. us Ultra, uh, it, Ultra, that's
3: Ultra, it is the Ultra Maga gang right now. So those uh, Donald Trump throwing up the blood sign is uh probably one of my favorites <laughs> that I've seen out there so far. <laughs> But, I mean, gosh, all right, I didn't want to start on Biden, but I guess we we could go there. He told everybody not to bother him yesterday because he was on vacation and then denied the fact that we were – currently not in a recession, which we most certainly are, especially if you live in Southern California like we do, where the uh, inflation rate is about 25-ish percent. Mm. I was just telling Noah before uh, you guys jumped in, I was looking at my uh, retirement today, and I'm down a whopping 25% over the last year and a half. Your
0: first mistake was looking at your retirement. So I
3: might as well have invested in Bitcoin, because I probably would have still had more money than I have now <laughs> in retirement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been pretty ugly. What do you guys think about uh, some of the optics here? Joe Biden's getting ready to go beg... Uh, the Prince of Saudi Arabia for a little oil. Perfect. While he continues oh, to, to kill us here. Where
16: is Jamal Khashoggi when you need him? <laughs> I mean,
7: seriously, <laughs>
16: like the day after that guy got assassinated, I got sent to Riyadh. Mm. Um, I was still on the House Intelligence Committee. And I was like, what the heck is going on over here? And of course, when Trump was in office negotiating Midi's peace deals and securing energy independence, the, the left erupted with Jamal Khashoggi um and you know what was viciously done to him which is pretty nasty stuff and of course joe biden the hypocrisy is on full display now joe biden's going to now go beg mbs for cheaper oil because he shut down america energy and america first policies i mean where is i haven't seen the name jamal khashoggi in the media once Mm. since he announced his trip to the middle east i mean max is an economic guru and can speak to those things i can just speak to the hyperbole that's or the hypocrisy
10: that's on full display but cash i was just going to say uh i believe in washington dc now there's a jamal khashoggi way there is there is i tried i tried to get a photo in
16: front of it and they kicked me out because they thought (laughs) um, i was like the enemy
10: yeah (laughs) yeah that's the tolerant left i mean i just bring it back to the point of you know biden cancels our keystone xl pipeline right and then you fast forward about four five six months. He looks over to germany looks over to russia and he's like you know what i'll crush our energy independence but you know what russia you want to enable yourself you want to get more money from the european dollar in germany go ahead and kick that pipeline and let's get it rolling with nord stream too so as soon as he literally shut down everything we had in our country with over seven thousand unused oil leases he goes ahead and he's like hey you know what you guys can do and i'm you know Go ahead and get your pipeline, and I'm going to handcuff our country and make the American people suffer. And he's been rolling with that line ever since. And even more disgusting is the press secretary, uh, in the new one, Karen Jean Pierre. Mm. You know, Peter Ducey asked her a pretty solid question. And that's, are you going to start, you know, drilling or anything? You know, we have plenty under our feet and off of our shores. And she just looked at him as she reads from her notes because she can't think for herself and says, well, no, we're committed to the plan. So basically, that's a big F you to every single American in this country. The plan.
3: Yeah, no, we are absolutely hurting. We talked about the inflation rate in California already. It's it's supposedly around nine percent nationally, but we've seen gas prices. You know, they've never, we've never seen prices like this in California, which has always historically been an expensive place. I've lived here for close to 25 years, Noah's entire life. We've never seen it like this before, you know, the price of food and just to go out anywhere. And, and you know, so everybody's just strapped and stressed and, and it's not getting any better. they are talking about the inflation rate maybe going, well, national average, whatever they're trying to say it is, maybe 2.5 to 3% more by August. And uh, I can't I can't imagine it getting any more crippling than that. You're talking about the peak of, like, cool your home season, and then you're rolling that right into the fall when it's time to start turning on the heat again. Well, and then we
0: brought up the uh, electric companies are raising rates, too, here, so yeah, that'll now, be fantastic. Now
3: they have, like, super prime hours instead of just peak hours. Now it's, like, super peak hours. Yeah, yeah but the solution's easy. Just go buy an electric
16: car. It's super and, simple.
0: And don't, like, don't use your air conditioner when you're home. There's
3: three,
16: there's 300 million motor vehicles in this country. That's about as many people as there are here. 1 million of those are electric cars. Mm. Like these these people think this like market has been resolved because they've, I don't even know what that math breaks down to. I'm the only Indian that sucks at math, I guess, (laughs) but that's like 0.0001%. Like they think the fix exists on paper. It's just such a sham. It's such a joke. And even guys like Elon Musk will tell you, we can't fix our energy independence by selling an electric car.
5: Right.
10: Cash, you just hit on it, and I was going to roll with and I was going to put my politician hat on real quick. Oh, okay. Off, <laughs> uh, you know, some numbers, but there's 11 million people in the state of Ohio. There's 8 million registered vehicles, right? Out of those 8 million registered vehicles, only 15 000 to 20,000 of 8 million are EVs.
7: Oh, my God.
10: you know how many pissed off Ohioans there are? Mm. I don't oh care my who God. you are and how, how wealthy you are or in the level of poverty you are. If you got to go fill up your car and it's $5 a gallon, you're pissed off and every single ohioan well eight million of them right now are losing their minds every single day and they can't make ends meet it's absolutely absurd and not to mention if you talk to some of these people they think that when they plug in their electric vehicles to a docking station right that this stuff comes from butterflies when it comes from natural gas and coal i mean this is how asinine you know some of these individuals are and they're just not educated on the issues and what biden's pushing i mean the guy is completely we already know he's lost it but Who's ever pulling his strings needs to chill because yeah. we're hurting.
3: Yeah, we broke down a good portion of that the the whole EV powertrain is basically it Doesn't 80,
10: run on buffalo?
7: Or, uh, 88% by
3: Butterfly? by fossil, fossil fuels. 88% of the EV fuel train is is uh, powertrain is fueled by fossil fuels. It's yes. like it makes We're we're just in like I don't know. They're just trying to kill American businesses. They're trying to take us out of the, you know, the energy sector and make us kind of have to Grift to the rest of the world like we're doing right now. And it's, it's, it's really bad optics to our enemies and, and well, our historical allies as well. Cause Saudi Arabia doesn't want to talk to us. We were assured last week by Liz Harrington that there would be no sword dance when uh, Joe Biden went to, especially after now that he fell off the bike. I couldn't even imagine <laughs> trying to bust a move. This, <laughs> just eat shit and fall on the sword. It'd be pretty funny.
7: Bye.
16: Well, you guys He's you... saber a bottle of champagne. There's not going to be a sword dance. He's just going to do the saber thing. It's going
3: to be awesome. No, please no. He'll lose a finger. Yeah, and then n- now they're starting to tease that he might stop in Ukraine, too, because we saw Ben Stiller there yesterday. He, I heard yeah. he was mad because he wasn't allowed to wear the Adidas jumpsuits from all the Wes Anderson movies <laughs> that he already wears because it's kind of like, you know, too close to Russia. But, uh, you know, the some of the stuff we're seeing right now, it, it, it's just like stuff we've never seen before. And And, you know, this administration, it seems like they know what's coming – come the midterm elections, and they're just going to put their foot on the gas and see whatever they could throw out with. One of the big things was last week they rolled out and they kind of like snuck it into like Pride Month was that rebranding of the disinformation board now headed by Kamala Harris because we can't not fund her because she's not an employee of DHS. Um, And basically they added the words like, well, the acronym for the LBGT and homelessness, but it's the exact same thing as the disinformation governance board and now kamal harris is going to head it so what do you guys think that uh, of that rebranding and uh who in this group thinks they're going to get swatted first me perfect
10: yeah, I actually now, don't cash. I don't even want to say it. I'm not going to say I it. I don't have to say it. Than me, then you guys are next. I, or, uh, or maybe you know, it depends how bold we get, but Maul Harris taking over the disinformation board <laughs> I and mean, look, what has this woman been able to accomplish except utter destruction and an, an, an inability to even put together and it's pretty ironic cuz I choked up on that word a few sentences <laughs> to get anything done, right? I mean, literally great. Let her take the disinformation board. She's going to do absolutely nothing. as She's already done nothing for our country. And she's had more visits over in Europe than she's ever had to the southern border. True. This woman's priorities are completely out of whack. So you know what? Honestly, the more stuff that they give her, the more I can sleep easy at night because I know nothing will be accomplished.
16: And I'm going to take it one step further as a as a lone ranking brown guy in this room. Nice. Uh, You know, Kamala Harris. I'm not offended as her actions as a minority. I'm offended as her fake actions as a half Indian pretending not to be one. Right. Right. So I think, you know, maybe she should show up and say, you know, what her heritage actually is raised by a single Indian mother in California. Whose father left her and literally to this day denounces her, but she's trumpeting around as if she represents the Black community, the African American community, or whatever label they put on it now. The challenge I have to her and Barack Obama is the same. They forget the other half of their existence. And oh, by the way, your African label, African American label, I'm actually more African lab- American than the two of them combined. Yeah. Um, since my parents and grandparents were born and raised in East Africa. And, you know, it's just hilarious when they come, come, come around our way and say, you guys are racist. And for me, it's hilarious. Cause I'm like, I'm Brown, you're white. And, <laughs> uh, and when they start saying those things, but anyway, <clears throat> get it in on this show.
3: Oh, we really appreciate those check boxes. Sometimes it's just hard to get some of those demographics in there. Cash and you just nailed a whole bunch of them for us. We really, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Street cred. Yeah, there you go. Those so, good. um, well, Cash, let's stay. Let's stay on you real quick. So, well, you're a big, famous entrepreneur now. You're 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 a board member of, of, of one of the largest social media groups now, probably the most popular one in the. Oh game. yeah, the
16: checks are huge
3: and best-selling author <laughs> of a children's book. Perfect. How has your life changed since uh, you've made these moves into the uh, what we like to call the business sector?
16: Oh, God. I mean, it's not, you know, this is probably why I was in government for 16 years, because I don't know how to do anything outside of government, especially how to make money. Everybody comes up to me. and They're like, oh, can you do something more for free? And I'm like, yeah, let me do that. Um, no Perfect. problem. Sign me up. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm trying to figure it out. But The Chosen's Book was a fun idea for my publicist. It went number one. The New York Times won't make it uh, appear on their bestseller list, even though it meets the metrics for it, which I think is hilarious. Right. Um, And Truth Social, look, that's like a passion project. It's kind of why Devin left Congress. I mean, the guy was about to run all the money and purse strings in Congress. And we created a platform where just last week we we invited Gavin Newsom. And I loved it. Like, (laughs) I wasn't hating on the guy for joining. I was like, let's hear everything you have to say and bring your entire army of morons over here. Because this is an actual free speech platform. And by the end of the summer, it's going to be half as big as Twitter. And then I think in a month, we're going to rock the Android uh, finally, And so you're going to see a massive increase over the next couple of months. And as Donald Trump said, he's never going back to Twitter or Facebook. So it's the only place you're going to find him. Wait, half as big as Twitter with or without the bots.
3: Yeah. That's true.
16: <laughs> there are no bots on Twitter. What are you talking about? That's oh, that's news. right. That's right.
3: It's less than 5% according to them. Oh, man. Well, 50%. There you go.
10: RIP to all of our accounts <laughs> on there, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be screwed, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: I I was going to ask Cash to verify me on True Social, but I post on social media about as much as he used to.
10: Oh, nice. So nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
3: very not interesting. Uh, Cash, thanks for the bump yesterday, by the way, too. You you took my – I was shitting on uh, Secretary Austin, and Cash just took it and turned it into an actual, like, intelligent thread when I was just trying to be mean as usual. (laughs) Because I know people will actually see it on there. It's so weird opening up social media. Okay, we've been doing this for three years, Mm -hmm. and it's literally like no one ever sees anything anywhere. Like, we are – yeah. Past shadow band. Like people write in our comment section when they see our stuff, like, wow, 14 views. Like this is such bullshit on like Instagram. Like yeah, those I'll, are our comments.
0: I'll send Ron stuff that he's like, Yeah, that's in our story. And I'm like, Well, I didn't see it there.
16: You're not gonna well, see any of our facts. How did how did all that impact your campaign? Uh, like across the various social media platforms. That's like something I'd love to.
10: Oh, I mean, as soon as Elon started to make the offer, right, that he was gonna take over Twitter. I think I got, I don't know, about 8,000 followers within like 72 hours and something crazy like that. But in terms of Facebook and things, yeah, I was getting definitely uh, pushed down in the thread, even though we were trying to do things to bump it up. But it's been constant. I mean, I've heard, you know, constituents that we have in our district are like, oh, we try to follow you and like all your stuff is getting pushed down or we don't see it as much. And really the only way, I mean... If I have an organic tweet and say it's a good one, right? You know, sometimes it gets five retweets. Sometimes it gets 500. It all depends, you know, how good the content is. But sometimes it just doesn't make any sense how, you know, one tweet that I launched out that usually would get maybe a couple thousand retweets or comments or likes, all of a sudden it's got seven, right? And then you could just see the disparity. And it's obviously because they're pushing Republicans down and conservatives. Now, I think we started to see maybe a little bit of a comeback. But as you guys were just talking about, and as Elon said, how many of these are bots? I mean, yeah. I've got like 40 whatever, 6,000 followers. I have no idea how much of those are legitimate and how much of those are fake. Um and uh, hopefully we'll find that out soon when this deal is done.
3: Yeah, they had it was nice little meltdown they had last week.
10: Well, they're
5: probably not going
0: to use the waste the bots on the opposition, right? Right.
5: But they'll attack them like on, on Telegram. I had to delete my entire channel. I just couldn't deal with all the bots anymore. Like even if I put those bot cleaners, yeah. and like those moderators, Maybe. You
16: know, you know, it's good. You have a future congressman on the line who can shut down the bot industry.
7: Ooh.
16: Oh, yeah.
10: No, I plan on doing it. No, I mean, look, we're going to hold every single one of these animals accountable, not only within the private sector, but also more so in the public sector and the corruption of all these career federal federal bureaucrats that have continued to just take a knife and just one by one pocus just to screw with us every single step along the way. And that's been our last 17 months. I love it.
16: Max was in the Thunderdome at the White House, and he's like the only guy running for Congress or Senate or anything that actually freaking gets it because he lived it. This guy was slugging punches back in the White House, and it was so awesome. And the, the only people that heard about it was like the three people in the White House that cared, like me and Scavino and like two other guys. But he's taking that mentality and, and he's going to bring it to Congress. I can't wait. I can't wait. You don't understand. Like having that mentality in Congress where it doesn't exist right now, where you just don't care about anything but getting the job done, it's going to be so awesome. No, that's I mean.
3: You know what? There have been a lot of guests who off the record, some of them are your friends and some of them are other people who have worked in the Trump administration that have specifically pointed out Max as like they called them like one of the gatekeepers, like the last person you want to piss off because he's Like <laughs> like literally off the record, they're like, Oh, I saw you had Max Miller on. And he's like, he's a great guy. I was like, yeah, we loved him when he was on. He was like, he had a great platform. He's one hundred percent America first. He served his ass off. They're like, yeah, and if you ever pissed him off, it'd be the last person you piss off in the Trump administration. I'd be like, oh
10: damn. <laughs> No, no, no. It takes a lot for anyone to get to that point. I mean, come on. Right. But uh, no, but cash, you're right. I mean, look, we were there, you know, working our asses off, you know, blood, sweat and tears with that And for me, it had been the last six years. But what he was able to pass on to me and the institutional knowledge of what I'm going into Congress with, that's what's going to make me effective while listening to the actual people on the ground. I mean, it's no BS. I'm giving 25 percent of my salary back to the people of the district, because it, these congressmen, these all these p- public officials, they get paid way too much, yep. okay? If you had all these public officials get paid what their average median salary is, whether it's in their state or their district, you would lose probably 90% of everyone who is in office right now, because they're only in it for their greed and they're only in it for themselves. We have to find people who you know don't need the job, but want the job. Yep. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic background you come from. If you wanna put in the hard work and serve the people, and you know, don't just do this, right? Use your mouth and then put your foot forward and get it done for them. But also don't overpromise them bullshit. Tell them the truth. Tell them what maybe they don't want to hear, but it's something that they need to hear that's based in reality. Because Democrats will promise you the world and they'll tell you that, you know, they'll be able to take you from zero to 100 when really what they'll do is they'll take you from 100 to negative 100 yes. and then bury you in this country in the same token. So now I'm excited.
0: And then bring you back to zero and claim that they helped you.
10: Yeah, <laughs> best, Sorry, job, yeah. best job's done. I have on one,
3: I have
0: one request of Max, though. You have to have lunch with Adam Schiff
10: on day one. <laughs> oh, okay, only if I could do this, Cash. I'll have lunch with Schiff because he was on my deposition. He's such a nice guy. Uh, and I'll walk in. I'll just be like, how's it going, Adam? Okay. You doing that <laughs> <right?" sighs> do you you know?
16: You know what you can call him out point. on? Adam Schiff hasn't actually lived in California in like 15 years. He has a mansion in Maryland. Um, He doesn't even live in the district he represents. I wish people would call out the the, the clowns for that nonsense. Max actually is from, lives there, and breeds Ohio, which is what people should have to do to serve in Congress.
3: But 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 Adam Schiff is telling everybody in the legacy media that he's got like the actual dirt on Donald Trump about January 6th, but he just doesn't want to get ahead of the committee. So he can't tell anybody yet.
16: Oh, isn't isn't that what today is for? It's like the Schiff show today, like he's the one leading the charge on the unselect committee's uh, parade against Donald Trump. Where have I heard heard that
3: narrative before? Hmm.
16: I don't know if you saw DJT absolutely annihilate that guy in Tennessee the other day. Yes, he did. he destroyed watermelon head. I mean, it was on another level. I haven't seen something like that in probably a year. And I spent the better part of my day crushing that individual. And uh, for Donald Trump to come in, and and look, nobody's gonna watch today except like the seven people that broke in to the (laughs) Capitol with Schiff and company and Liz Cheney. Every, I think they've had to like literally truncate their hearings because everybody stopped watching even though they tried to make it all Hollywood glitz and glamor. And the American people are like, who cares about your fake investigation? What I care about is not paying 150 bucks to gas my car and get my kids diapers and baby food. And oh, how about you shut down the southern border? So my (laughs) youth doesn't die from Chinese fentanyl. These people just don't get it. And that's what's going to be on display today on the TV. But uh, hopefully everyone's just watching your show.
3: Yeah, hopefully you'll be listening to us. Well, Cash, I want to circle back to to John Durham. There's been some people who have been kind of being Debbie Downers about it on, on True Social lately, yeah. and, and, and we said we're going to talk about it. Listen, I still have faith in John Durham. I still have faith in the legal practices of uh, some of the stuff that goes on inside the Beltway, not necessarily the Department of Justice and all the stuff they're doing right now. Apparently, Merrick Garland <laughs> has – He's got plenty of time to prosecute parents and to uh, send the, you know, the FBI to Tim Pool's house uh, eight or nine times, not do anything about uh, prosecuting anybody, killing people, coming across the southern border with drugs and human trafficking. But he can jump on a Gulf Stream and head over to Ukraine, which where he is yeah. consequently today. So good for him. But uh, – what do you think of this investigation right now? We know it's not over and it's kind of gone back into like their huddle up mode and, 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 see what the next moves is. But you know, I saw you put out an update this morning. I read some of it, but what can you give our listenership right now?
16: Now look, the real quick and skinny is I've always said this and you know, I think the term is bullish on John Durham, but yeah. I, you know, I ran the Russiagate investigation. What he's done is as a former federal prosecutor, what I see him doing is basically taking an investigation from one branch of government and moving it into the judiciary. And I don't think he's sitting down right now saying methodically, oh, what do I do next? I think he's had his next tense moves laid out. Yeah, he's going to prosecute the steel source, Danchenko, in Virginia later in the fall. But what I think you're going to see is the actualization of his investigation before then with multiple indictments of the FBI and the likes of Fusion GPS, because as a federal prosecutor, you don't tell the world you have a joint venture conspiracy if you don't have a joint venture conspiracy. I think John Durham's only critique that I have of him is these two by the book. Look, this guy's been there for 30 years. I was there for a while while we served together at DOJ. Sure. No one complained about John Durham when he ran the CIA renditions program prosecution. Everybody loved him. That was the hardest prosecution to probably ever do. And now the left is excoriating him because he lost the jury trial in D.C., where half the jury gave money to Hillary Clinton and AOC, and they literally came out the next day and said, this was a total waste of time. So even though John Durham showed them the videotape of the bank robbery, they didn't care. But I think that taught the world an important lesson. You can't bring these cases in DC. And I know as a prosecutor, you can bring these cases elsewhere, but I think John Durham's one crutch is these two by the books because the regulations say you should recommend to bring them in DC and hopefully brings this conspiracy in, in Ohio or Kansas, or wherever, because you can get crafty with jurisdiction. Um, And, you know, I think uh, America at least learned that What I said five years ago, Hillary Clinton paid for it, knew about it, authorized it. And that was probably the biggest missile to come out of there. So I still think he's got a long way to go.
3: Yeah. And some of those things you just said, they're undeniably true, especially all the things regarding Hillary Clinton. I mean, you just can't say it enough that you know everyone from her and every single person that worked in the Obama administration were all working hard collaboratively. Uh your best friend James Comey and uh you know several Buddy. yeah that's it. You know, to uh stop Donald Trump and, and you know they failed bigly but the fact of the matter is is that you know this stuff is gonna continue to come to light over time I think uh and that's just the way John Durham's gonna work it. Max, you know what I wanted to ask you? I saw it get leaked on social medias yesterday. I know you're a veteran, and uh, you care a lot about the armed forces uh, and, and and how you serve this country so very proudly. Uh, there has been a lot of woke uh, videos, some of the new trainings, uh, especially for the Navy that have leaked online yesterday. And, uh You know, it says a lot about that in combination with the big diss that uh, Secretary Austin got from China this week and uh, talks about the state of the military right now. I know last time you were on with us, you talked to some people and and you said even though it it hurts, you see people telling you that, you know, they think they're going to get out just because of the way it is right now. But when you see stuff like that start to leak online when it's literally like a children's show and this is what they're teaching the people who are supposed to go out and like defend the sovereignty of our nation in war, how does that make you feel?
10: It makes me feel sick. I mean, while the Chinese are teaching their military quantum mechanics and how to literally effectively kill every single American and what we love is our way of life, we're teaching our military on how to love one another. We're teaching them about gender and social identity. We're teaching them about critical race theory. You know, all of those things together. No, I'm not even going to be cute. It's insane. I mean, these are the practices that are going to get young men and women killed on the battlefield. Yeah. And here's my biggest concern. Once we do get into another war, which it's going to happen, we're the United States of America. We're going to have some, you know, someone like Biden who's going to be itching, itching to pull that trigger. And I'm actually shocked that he's had this much reserve. Uh, someone's probably holding him back every single day. But that is we're going to have heavy casualties and heavy loss of life because we're going to lose all of these men and women who have real combat experience. And my concern is for the next time we get back in there, what are they going to be more obsessed with? what they're learning in their annual training classes about how to love one another and accept one another or no, no, that's not what's going to happen And that mentally and psychologically is going to impact every single individual on the battlefield. And if it's not on the battlefield, it could be a drone operator. It touches every single job on the entire spectrum of the military and every single branch. And what we're doing right now is we're not only are we coddling our country and treating everyone like we're stupid and that we should love everything and, to accept that a marginalized group that has a mental deficiency with them that's socially acceptable and put it online and put it on TV and teach it to our young kids? Absolutely not. All of that will come into play psychologically on the battlefield. So yeah, I mean, when you talk about all of this, it's incredibly disturbing and it just shows you where this country's priorities really are. They're not to invest in our military to make them stronger and to fight harder on the battlefield. No, they're invested to literally change the fabric of our society whether it's from the military aspect or anything in federal government, all the way down to local, this is what they've seeped into with insane indoctrination. So altogether, it's as simple as this. We want to continue to treat our warriors, and that's what they are, warriors in every branch, not to be killers. That's great. You know what? Then we know what we're going to face come in the future. Heavy casualties and a loss of life because we will no longer be the greatest superpower in the world because we're too obsessed on stupid, stupid crap while the Chinese are already working their way into Africa, they're already in Afghanistan, they're laying the pipe work to have you know an entire conglomerate for not even 10 years from now, they're planning 50 years from now. And yet we wanna cut off our energy independence and all of these things that make us incredibly weak to the core. And, and I know we talked about it earlier, but Biden falling off that bike, yeah, it's funny to a certain extent, but what's not funny is you have every leader of every country looking at President Biden in the United States, as a goddamn joke.
7: Yeah,
10: mm-hmm. That is a true reflection of what that really means. And while, you know, I saw a headline in the Atlantic, you can't make this up. It said, what we've learned about Joe Biden falling, dot, 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 that you can pick yourself back <laughs> up and continue to ride and go along.
7: Oh
0: my God.
10: Where the hell am I? I thought it, those were it, fake. I thought it was like grand old memes. Like, <laughs> No, that that is real. And, and it blows my mind that it, it's just like, Okay, well, an old man fell. Well, this old man has fallen like four or five times, and you're like, we can make this an inspirational quote. But if President Trump grabs a handrail and he's on a wet ramp and he just is doing it for stability, oh, there's something cognitively wrong with him, right? Like, and they just hammer him. the double yeah. standard and everything that we see. Uh, but going back to everything, I mean, no, this is this is their master plan. This is what Democrats do, and they have full control of the House, Senate, and Oval. Their policies are incredibly dangerous, and they take us down in a matter of 17 months.
3: Yeah, those forgotten men and women who, uh, you know, live in a lot of the bigger urban cities, the Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Washington, dcs who are usually under the thumb of these radical progressive policies for the last 25, 30 years. We're seeing it on a national level right now. And I saw a poll today that said, like, Biden was still you know, polling favorably, like 65% in the Democrat party, I was like, do these people not use actual money to do anything? I, I, I can't understand how, you know, they, they would just go and be like, oh, yeah, I would definitely vote for that guy again. No,
0: but I mean, but you you have, I believe it, because I've talked to people who are still 100%, they have their Biden pom-poms in each hand, and they're going about their lives just...
3: The adults are back in charge?
0: Pumping that arm. America's back? Yeah.
16: Yeah, but that's <clears throat> look 35 percent never changes we
0: right. got 34
16: on the right, right. they got 35 percent on the left never changes yeah it's that middle ground you got to win a chunk of that those polls are kind of like meaningless when they say 35 percent still strenuously support Biden. right they're never not going to it biden insert whatever kamala hillary whoever whoever you want to put in there who to judge or whatever trump calls them uh nudie <laughs> burger yeah I it's all the vote the
0: blue word. people like mm-hmm. i don't care who it is as long as it's blue
16: right and so so you know, what you, have to, what you have to do to win the middle, and this is probably something I learned from both President Trump and Devin Nunes, is I was like, when I was running Russiagate, I was like, oh, we're gonna convince the world. We're gonna, 100%. He's like, no, we're not. We're not gonna convince the world 100% of everything. But What we need to do is convince the middle part, seven to 10%, and then you win. And I think if we do that um, with just telling them what happened to Russiagate or DOD, you know, or any national security issue, we went on all day long. Any economic issue now we're winning on all day long. Yeah. And the military, yeah, Max and I are biased, you know, having been in it and, and me having the privilege of being in it as only as a civilian. You, you get more drive from that mission and under President Trump's leadership than I did in my 16 years in government because he, he makes you care for our veterans. Right. And set that a priority. He makes you care for arming our soldiers. And as Max said, it's insane to me that General Milley is on the on the Hill, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, talking about white rage and how he wants. Dude, if you want to understand white rage more, look in the mirror, clown. I mean, this guy is the puppet master of politics, and he's supposed to be the highest ranking, apolitically uniformed officer in the country. And I constantly put him on blast because he's putting out campaign plans. The Department of Defense is putting out campaign plans on the weather. Now, there might be a place for climate change, but it has no place in the Department of Defense. Why do you think we're getting our asses handed to us, as Max said, by the Chinese and the Russians? Because our brave warriors are looking at the setting sun instead of what's going on in space and underseas and downrange. And and I don't wanna sound glib, but I've said in 18 months, conventional soldiers are gonna be back on the ground in Afghanistan. And I don't know if they're gonna be equipped, as Max said, to do the mission. And they're gonna be back there because of the failures of this national security apparatus. And the fact that our Secretary of Defense can't even land a meeting With his chinese counterpart they literally sent the intern to go meet with our top military official and the guy was sitting there smiling it's unbelievable but that just shows you when you politicize national security how far we've fallen on the international front every single global leader took and called president trump without fail or hesitation when we went overseas um, they met with us at that at the equivalent level at the cabinet secretary level Joe Biden's not getting phone calls. He's got to go to Saudi Arabia to beg for oil. He's going to piss off the rest of the Middle East. No one's even talking about that. Mm -hmm. The Emiratis Mm -hmm. are not going to like that at all. And now we have to uh, sit around and wait for two and a half more years uh, before we can fix that. But at least in November, uh, we're going to fix we're going to fix uh, some things in Congress. And Max, I hope you run some kick ass investigations. Hunter Biden laptop, Adam Schiff, just to name a couple no big deal, just somebody. Hey idea. man,
10: if you're, uh, if you're looking at some, you're, both of us, but hey, look, I've been politically persecuted by the January 6th committee and getting that subpoena. And so <laughs> sitting down for a five hour deposition in front of the clown show of Adam Schiff, Liz Cheney, uh, Kinzinger, Raskin, Aguilar. Ugh. And there one more as the boss would say, there's another beauty on there. I don't remember who it was. <laughs> but, what I can tell you is the questions that they asked me Uh, You know, is the deep state real? Oh, and my my, my response was, yes, it's real. It's all of you publicly elected officials who've been in Congress for more than a decade who can't get a job in the private sector. And the same is to be said (laughs) for all of you career federal bureaucrats who burrow your way in and can't find a job in the private sector as well. But that those are the things that they're targeting us on. And if you're looking at somebody who wants to bring accountability to the American people, I will jump down their throat so fast what has happened over the last 17 months and i will never ever forget afghanistan mm-hmm. and don't any american ever forget what joe biden did in killing 13 of our of our men and women over there that shouldn't a day should go by where it really shouldn't be memorial day for the for those men and women and every, everyone who's lost their lives in war but that is the blood is on his hands and there needs to be a full investigation as to why that withdrawal went as poorly as it did i want to know all all of the metrics and dynamics and see everything on pieces of paper and interrogate. Why shouldn't say interrogate, right? But ask nice questions to these (laughs) individuals to find out what the actual truth is, because all they want to do is pull the wool over your eyes and then hand you a bag of crap. And Max, I'll do you one better. I'll tee
16: it up for you. As chief of staff at DOD, I ran the withdrawal in Afghanistan for Trump. And one of the proudest things was not one military death on the 18th month withdrawal that we were running out of Afghanistan I'll tell you every document you wanna look at and all the lies are buried in the chairman's office and the office of secretary of defense and you as a member of Congress have every absolute right to them to ask the questions you're talking about asking because you're right, they failed us. The Biden administration failed our men and women and then they take credit by doing what? Drone striking children. Yep. I mean, it's just outrageous that these matters have not been looked at at all. And the fact that all of that leads me to believe we'll be back tragically in Afghanistan probably like 18 months, but yeah, we'll tee it up for you, Max. I'm all in on that effort. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean,
10: if we just would have kept a remain behind element behind of maybe just like in cash, you would know more about this than me, but I would say 2,000, 2,500 troops, there would be stability within the region. And he was advised to do that. Yep. We're still the United States of America. You want to play (laughs) stupid games? You can win some stupid prizes. And we still have the ability to go ahead and take anyone out, even though we have an ineffective and weak leader at the top of the helm. Um, Then I don't want anyone to discount what we have militarily because we're still we're still a bad bad boy when it comes to that front. But you know, all being said, this thing has to has to have a microscope on it, and Biden has to pay. And I don't want to get into political games, but you know, he really should be impeached for that. Yeah, Yeah. and all those impeachments should be brought on, and it's not because. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, then you get Kamala, right?" Well, can it be worse? I don't know, but I know that. (laughs) You know, a man who, you know, who's the president of the United States, right, who calls himself that, killed 13 men and women by a rash decision when lots of people told him not to. In my eyes, that's murder. Yeah. In my eyes, you should be put in the brick. So
3: No, I, I completely agree with you, and I, I felt that way since day one. It's uh, really tragic what happened and, and how it went down, and, and we know... Great guys like you, Max, that are running right now, tough as nails and and, and laser focused on, on not just the election that's coming up in November, but what's going to happen directly after that. You know, people, Cash, we can't say enough about you. You're running around the country helping out all your friends. We just saw an amazing uh, win for, well, Steak for Breakfast Enjoyer, Adam Laxalt, last week in Nevada. <laughs> and, and we're hoping that he goes into that equation that helps flip the Senate uh, in November. And we know he's going to be voting on America First policies and, and, and those, those uh, you know, Trump-era policies as well so we just got to keep uh focused on and uh you know develop some new content in between now and then with all the uh, stuff that's going on for so, next so time that's guys my last on
16: request on the develop new content thing the oh. only thing i would give you guys a a, a failing grade on is you got to jump in the meme game on truth social man you guys got to get on that I, I, that I, stuff I, is hilarious i mean i sent you
3: great an, memes you guys i sent you an s tier meme the other day and you said you you said like yeah that one's okay the one of Trump, the kid mowing the lawn. That's funny.
16: No, you got to get, no, like the cartoons and stuff. You got to get in there.
3: Oh, you want, you want Pinata Farms and then I'm going to have to say. <laughs> no, no, no. Asking. Go
16: to hashtag FWK and check out the memes. Let's get going. I'm serious. Let's do it. And we'll, we'll get Max involved. We'll get it, you know, since he's. I'm all in. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah.
3: I guess we'll just continue to bring attention to both of you guys, not only on our show, but now on social media, Max, <laughs> why don't you tell everybody where they could find you? We want people to continue to donate to your campaign website and support you as you're uh, getting ready to head into the summer months now and getting back on the road. And of course, we're going to have you on before the November elections, but uh, tell everybody where they could check you out.
10: Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Uh, you can go to votemaxmiller.com. Again, that's vote on uh, on Twitter. It's max Miller and the same is on truth, social max Miller O H. Uh, and, and if you need, uh, if you need us, we're there and there's an email link on our website where you can, uh, email us any questions. And if you'd love to volunteer, we'd love to have you, even if you're not from the state of Ohio. So you can come out and see really what a good America first campaign looks like. Yep. It's going to help reshape our country back to where it was 17 months ago. So thank you, Ron.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. And then cash, you know, we like to direct everybody to your foundation and, uh, now your social media on truth. So, uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can check you out as well.
16: Yeah. Two places. Thanks so much, guys. Max is a blast being on. Uh, with you, um, look forward to seeing you in the halls of Congress. Uh, I'm at fightwithcash.com. It's fightwithcash with a K.com. Set up my legal foundation, full on charity. We're going to start helping vets. Uh, we're not just going to start paying for lawyers. We're going to do a lot more there at fightwithcash.com. And the only social media platform I'm on is at Cash on Truth Social. We're going to keep going there. It's going to be a relentless campaign to make it one of the largest social media companies on planet Earth. So I hope everybody checks us out on Truth Social. Uh, over at at cash and thanks guys uh you guys have a kick-ass show uh i'm sure we'll we'll be back soon
3: oh we appreciate both of you guys all the hard work you're doing different levels of it but you know fact of the matter is even us down here at steak breakfast we're all working together for one solid goal and that's cliche as it sounds to literally make america great again this is the former chief of staff to the dod and the nominee for ohio house seat in district seven cash patel and max miller thanks for coming down on steak for breakfast thanks guys take care All right, joining us next on the show today, one of our favorite guests. He's running an America First campaign in Tennessee 5. Coming today to give us a little bit of an update. Robbie Starbuck, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast.
12: Absolutely. Always happy to be here. How are you guys doing?
3: We're doing great. It's our pleasure to host you. I mean, we've hosted you and and your wife before. We love you guys, and uh, we're excited to have you back. There's been a lot of development since the last time you guys have been on the show. Uh, So to get our listenership caught up, you were going back to court the first time. And uh, you want to kind of take it from there and let us know up to now where you're at?
12: Yeah. So in federal court, uh, we ended up getting pushed to state court. In state court, we won. um, And they put us back on the ballot. The Tennessee GOP decided, though, that they wouldn't accept the state's ruling. And so they went and appealed to the appeals court. Um, The circuit of appeals then essentially put out there that they were going to go to an en banc decision where the entire court was going to decide on it together, which is exceptionally rare. And apparently, you know, a lot of legal experts have told us they believe the Tennessee GOP must have thought they were going to lose because they immediately appealed to the Supreme Court. And so uh, when they appealed to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court then stole jurisdiction from the Court of Appeals. So, Court of Appeals was never allowed to issue their opinion. Um, and so, you know, Supreme Court is, for better or worse, I think a lot of people think, slightly more political than the other courts are. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, in terms of you know, sort of how it all operates, and we got a decision we didn't like in that court, and they essentially said that the Republican Party in Tennessee and the Democratic Party in Tennessee can do whatever they want, which means it goes as far as this. You ready for this? If I win the primary um, in the current setup. The Tennessee GOP could actually say that I'm not going to the general election. They could take the person in second place and go put them on the general election ballot and say they would rather have that person be their standard bearer. And in court, this is the real kicker. They said they were asked, why did you do this, essentially? And they wouldn't give an answer. And they said, because essentially they can, you know, and they said they don't feel I'm a Republican. And so they're entitled to do that. And they don't have to explain themselves. Because here's their problem is if they say I am a bona fide Republican, then they have to allow me on the ballot because of their own bylaws. But as long as they say they just don't feel like I am, they can do whatever they want. And so this goes even further into the future. You know, Now, the law of the land in the state of Tennessee is that the state, these parties, so the Democratic Party and the Republican Party can decide, for better or worse. Who ends up on primary ballots? So they could say, you know what? On the left, they could say, we're only allowing these progressive far left lunatics on the ballot. And on our side, they could say, we're only allowing the Romney-esque, you know, corporate Raider era people on the ballot. So it's forced us into a really unique, bizarre position. So, you know, before they kicked me off, we were leading the polls. And now we're in this position where we have to run a write-in campaign having the highest name ID and having been winning by a lot. But we also now have to retool. So we're going and remaking all of our signs, everything to make sure we educate people on the fact that they have to write in my name. Now, the one piece of good news, though, is the secretary of state in Tennessee did say that they are going to accept misspellings of my name on (laughs) um, August 4th and in the two weeks of early voting. So if people misspell my name. It'll still count as a vote um, as long as you can kind of intelligently tell that they meant to vote for me but that's sort of where we're at that's that's what they did and i think you know they've heard from people all over the country that are very unhappy with it
3: (laughs) wow top to bottom there's a lot can we can we
0: Crazy. Do that everywhere now? We don't think somebody's a Republican. We just don't let them run anymore.
12: <laughs> you know, if we were in control of the parties, that might That'd be amazing. Might, might get interesting. But yeah. um, the problem is, and this is really this goes to the deeper problem, is that, um, you know, a lot of people ideologically who are more America first. We haven't gone and taken over the local GOP's. You know, there's some cases where we have, but not enough. I mean, By and large, you go through the state parties throughout the US, most of our state Republican parties are not run by who you would sort of think of as like America first people. They're still run by the people who ran it 15 years ago. And so because of that, these are the people who really worked against Trump, you know, I mean, even here in Tennessee, you know, our state party in 2016 sent never Trump electors to the convention. You know, and even though he won the state, they went and sent these never Trump people so that on the third ballot they could flip over and vote for somebody else. So that tells you a lot about who's in control of of these parties. And ultimately, we have to show up and take control of them.
3: Yeah.
0: Taking over mafia territory.
3: That's true. I mean, Robbie, there's a lot of things that you said there top to bottom that's kind of unprecedented. I want to kind of start. So where did we go wrong as a party uh, over the last like you said, 15-ish years, especially throughout the course of the Trump presidency and into his reelection that we didn't at least start to
12: fortify and put ourselves in a situation to where we're at right now. Well, people get too comfortable. It's sort of a two-pronged problem. Number one on the actual party side, our big problem for a very long time has been running people who don't have a real connection to the people they're supposed to represent. So like, if you look at a place like that race we were talking about before we went on, Myra Flores, she really represents her district, which right. is why she did so well. People relate to her there. Now, for decades we've run these cookie-cutter candidates who look like they were, you know, built in some sort of factory in Washington D.C. who have no Connection to the people that they're meant to represent and then they lose and they act shocked in D.C. and say, oh, this is just a leftist area when in reality, it's just not a values match. They don't see themselves in the people that they're running, but they saw themselves in Myra Flores because she's one of them. Right. They know that she represents what they want in their area. So. That's one change that I do see going in a positive direction is that us as people have sort of said, no, you know what? We are going to put these people up. Now, what's happening to me in my race is sort of pushback from the machine saying, we're not always going to allow you to do that. We're going to try to intervene any way we can to stop that you know, sort of growing sentiment among the people. Now, the problem, though, on our side, when it comes to people, everyday people, there is an apathy that is set in over the years, and it's sort of a multi-pronged set of apathy. On the one side, when Trump was in office, people got too comfortable. They got so comfortable that they thought, you know, he's doing a great job, economy's in a great place, we're we're doing good, I don't have anything to worry about. And they didn't get too involved. And then with Trump out, you know, and everything going on, there seems to be this sort of hopelessness that the establishment is so hopelessly rigged against us that it's not worth trying to do anything. And that's killing us because we need people to show up for things that they care about. Because if we won't show up, Who is going to, you know, and and we've got to kind of, you know, be willing to give the left credit in terms of the fact that like these people will show up and chain themselves or super glue themselves to a Starbucks counter over, you know, goat milk or something. You know, I mean, like they will do the craziest thing you could possibly imagine, but they are fully dedicated to it. Like they'll, they'll chain themselves to a roadway and, you know, be willing to get hit by a car for what they believe in. Now, I'm not saying that I want us doing that, but I'm saying, like, let's show at least a little bit of passion for what we believe in and show up for things.
3: Yeah, no, you make a whole lot of sense. You know, in the last, like, uh, week or so, we've had, uh, there's, a, there's a Georgia runoff elections today in, in two districts, Georgia 10 and Georgia 6. And we've talked with mm-hmm. Mike Collins, uh, who was on the show with you once. He, he's our pick in that district over the more establishment Griftish type. And then Jake Evans in Georgia Six has ran a strong campaign there. He's got a Trump endorsement and uh, worked in the prior administration and in some of the election stuff afterwards. You know, Jake Evans kind of said the deck gets stacked so hard against you by the establishment sometimes. The Georgia Secretary of State used to give them nine weeks for a runoff. But in this election, where there's some strong, like real America First candidates who have made noise in the state throughout the course of the Trump presidency and then through this election season. They only gave them a couple weeks, so the runoff election is today, which is essentially the first day that there's no school in Georgia and the start of the vacation season. So both of them like went down there, like campaign this, that, and the other thing. But they're both like, "Yeah, we're expecting record low turnouts for the runoff election." I'm like, it can't be more important than this right here. And they're talking about record low turnouts, and uh, it's because. And you the- know what? He's
12: right. It is yeah. going to be record low turnout, and and that should that should be really really. Um embarrassing for for people on our side because you know I understand democrats not wanting to show up and vote right now they're embarrassed they should be embarrassed Sure. but it's embarrassing for our side that we're not showing up in record numbers we should be and i think that that's something that again is sort of an indictment on you know a couple different things number 1 that apathy i talked about but number 2 the you know people in the establishment and they're unwillingness to uplift people who do rally the troops you know and that's sort of an issue here is who is rallying the troops you know i mean desantis isn't out there going and rallying them you know trump i think has kind of been rallying less and less in terms of going to these areas where there's special elections like who is rallying the troops we need somebody doing it and that's one thing that i've been thinking about a lot lately is that um you know we've got to fix that problem because there's no excuse in this economy, this environment for us to be at record low turnouts.
3: Yeah, you know, you make a good good point there, Robbie. And I think part of that component is is, is over the course of the last, well, we're like seven years now since Trump came down the escalator. Uh, we're, we're in like a rebranding of the party and, and we're at like such a critical point right now for conservatives and the nationalist populist movement that there's like a lot of people who are trying to figure out like, okay, if that's going to be me, that's going to be me for, like, ever. Or do I just want to, like, kind of dip my toe in it, maybe get an endorsement or grift into the next administration, let's say if Trump comes back in 25. But, uh... You're right. We don't have a lot of, we can't roll out like the George Bushes and people like that because they're not part of this movement, and we don't have a lot of those people who worked in the former administration. I mean, there's a couple. You know, Rick Grinnell gets around, and Matt Whitaker, and uh, you know, Cash Patel gets around, but they're just they don't bring enough star power as to you know like a former president and then like longstanding senators and stuff like that. So I, I get it. We do need people out there rallying the troops and. Uh, Although we've heard President Trump is getting ready to start up the rally wagon again, I think he's going to be in Illinois this week it's just it's just a lot for someone who's technically not running for president right now to have to go and like literally do rallies for House districts so you're asking a lot for like one person you know
12: well I I do I think that you know if if he wants to run in 24 and continue as as the leader of the party I do think that it's something that is part of whoever the leader of the party is needs to do it and, yep. and if it's I think it's President Trump right now yeah. you know he's got to go out and do it because we've got to win these races we have no other choice mm-hmm. we have to win these we've got to take a majority and the the right people have to win because the worst thing that could happen to us is we take a majority and it's filled with people like Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Okay. That is the very worst thing that could happen to us. If we allow McCarthy acolytes to take over the, you know, sort of institution and we don't get anything passed that we've been talking about then people are gonna turn on us and they're gonna turn on us quick because people are willing and able to understand Joe Biden not signing into law things that we passed. They're right. not willing to understand us not passing it at all. And so we've we've gotta get the right people in there who are willing to do the hard things. And so that's why these primaries are so critical. And I think that too much weight is put into, oh, what is the most politically savvy thing to do in each district? You know, Because I've heard this over and over again from people where they say, oh, well, you know, they did it with J.R. Maj- Majewski, where they said, "Oh, you know, um, Trump shouldn't get behind him because it's just—it's uh, not politically expedient. He can't win, you know, so on and so forth." Well, look at what happened—he oh, won yeah. anyways. You know, we've got to just do the right thing, which means getting behind the right candidates who are going to back the right policies. And if that person right now is 15 points down in the polls, we need to get behind that person still and be willing to take the L if we get the L, but we've got to go and fight for the right people. Because if we don't, we're going to be stuck in this perpetual majority that does nothing except for please the donors of Kevin McCarthy. And that's not what any of us, at least, that's not what I want to go to Congress for at all. I mean, honestly, I would rather have my eyeballs poked out for fun <laughs> than go and serve Kevin McCarthy's donor class. Nice. You know, that's just me, though.
3: No, I, you make a lot of sense there. And, uh, you know, JR's a reoccurring guest on this show. We've got a great li- relationship with him, and, and it was one of those things. I, I think one of the things that resonates to the top, and I'm going to spin it into what I want to talk to you next about, is uh, the immense ground game that some of these candidates who have already won their primary, uh, a lot of it contributed to that. You know, Jr. was willing to hit every – county and town in his district and knock on thousands of doors and and sit down and talk with people at like the Elks club and the VA and stuff like that and you know he would talk to them and he told us on the show everything from nuclear energy to Trump era policies to memes and it's like sometimes people want to hear different things and different things resonate with them but when they hear somebody that could possibly represent them in the beltway saying these things it's like, okay, that's not like a campaign commercial. That's not like a, we're going to lower taxes and tackle the Obamacare. Oh, we're just real slogan. people. Yeah, real you know, people. I mean,
12: that's that's the thing is that like, you know, and some people have gotten mad at me actually because of memes I've posted. <laughs> um, and I'm like, listen, have you ever sent somebody in your family a meme? Like we all have family text groups or friend text groups sure. and people send memes. I mean, that's just reality, okay? Even even the stuffiest members of Congress, I guarantee you, have somebody in their life who sends them memes, yeah. okay? So why are we pretending real life doesn't exist when it comes to politics, you know? And I'm never gonna apologize for being a real person. If I think something's funny, I'm not gonna apologize for putting it out there. I think for two, you know, I mean, if we wanna end up with the same problems we've had for decades, let's keep doing the same thing. But I, I believe the definition of insanity is pretty clear. It's doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And if people are unwilling to try to do something new, to break away from that insanity and stop the failure of decades and decades of the most narcissistic, self-serving politician class that we've had, then it's our problem. It's our fault. And so I'm not willing to be part of the problem. I, I'm going to be part of the solution. And, and if that means supporting candidates that are 15 points down, and helping them rise up to to take the win and take over our party, that's what I'm going to do. You know, whatever we have to do, we've got to do.
3: Yeah, we've seen people like Michael Cassidy in Mississippi three, and and someone like who's uh really on the tailcoat uh of um james langford right now jackson uh lawmeyer down in oklahoma running in that senate race we talked to some yep. in- internal pollsters last week that guy's out barnstorming he's preaching the gospel he's preaching family he's preaching strong borders and all the things that are actually important you know fixing the economy and he's within the margin of error there
12: uh absolutely incredible langford is a disaster he's one of the worst senators in the country he sure is so, so if you're from Oklahoma and you like him for some reason, like make him an offer to be your pastor, but he he doesn't need to be in the United States Senate, okay? Get rid of the guy, get somebody new in there who has a spine. We don't need more jellyfish in Washington D.C. There's plenty. He is quite jelly-like, <laughs> Robbie. What's part of
3: this re-education? You and your wife. So getting back to that ground game thing, all the videos you guys show. You're you're out somewhere in the community. You're talking to people. You're you're at events. You're down at the border. And now you're now you're going into like a new phase to where like your campaign's entering a, a, a like almost the climax to where you need the people that you've been connecting with for the last couple of years to really pull it together for you. And uh, how has that like rebranding and, and
12: reeducating on, on this whole election process been resonating with them? Well, it's really just starting, honestly, because we've had to get together new materials, new signs, new everything. And so we're about to roll all that stuff out. And we really are going to be putting this on the people that like, look, We've done what we can. We're we're gonna go to doors. We're gonna continue to call people and to reach out to them in any way we can. But ultimately, this is up to them. This has never been done before. It'll be historic, you know, if we're able to pull it off. And if we can't, you know, again, it's it's sort of it speaks to this sort of poison within the establishment that they know how strange of a situation they've created. You go from being leading by a lot to being in a position where you have to tell people, everybody who's already planning on voting for you, that, hey, you have to actually go out and do this because they may be totally unaware. They may be planning to vote for me. They show up that day, they haven't heard anything since then because they're in a remote part, a rural part of the district. They show up, they don't see my name and think, oh, I must not be in the red district. Mm-hmm. And they just make a vote for whoever they think, you know, oh, I recognize that name. And that's part of, I think, the establishment play. So this is sort of a unique position we're in, and, and we've got to get the messaging out there as much as we can that write in is, is how you do this. You just have to check that box, write my name, and you're good for Tennessee's fifth district and United States Congress. Um, but that's that's all we can do is put the messaging out there and then leave it to the people and, you know, hope that. The movement we've built is strong enough to get that that word out in these final few weeks, because we've got, you know, it's August 4th, but there's two weeks of early voting before August 4th. So, um, you know, it's coming up quick and it's it's late in the game that we kind of got this direction that that we had to take. And um, we really only had one day to even make a decision about it, too, because right. they told us the Supreme Court decision. We had 24 hours to decide if I was going to be a write in. And I did the paperwork just saying, you know, I'd rather I'd rather have it ready than not ready. And um, it was it was a difficult thing. You know, I mean, we've worked over a year in this district to build the lead we had. And it kind of feels like you're starting you're getting pushed back 10 spaces, you know. And um, but I think their hope is that we'll give up. And and that's exactly why we're not giving up.
3: Yeah, I think if anybody's tracked you and your campaign and even more importantly, your family uh, since you since you came out in politics and how you feel about it and be, you know, move back to Tennessee and decided to make this incredible run that you're in right now.
0: Yeah. It was the only way they could hurt his chances.
3: Yeah. And I think it, well, if you just look at the numbers, if there's anybody who can actually go out there and shock the world and there are going to be a lot of upsets in this election cycle, this isn't going to be one of them. But Robbie, I, we have to say, we think it's you. And uh, you know, as you continue to roll that stuff out, of course, we're going to be able to uh, share it across all our social medias and get it out to our listenership on the show. You know, we do cold open sometimes and talk about races. We've been giving our listenership updates on stuff that's going on with you, but we wanted to hear it verbatim from your mouth today just in case uh, we forgot to dot any I's or cross any T's. But can you tell our listenership right now, even the ones out of state who who can still continue to contribute to you through this election campaign, uh, what they can do to help you right now?
12: Yeah, contributions help a ton because we're having to reprint signs. You know, basically every sign, we have thousands of signs out in the district. They all have to have an attachment added to them to let people know to write in. And then we also have to produce thousands more signs for these last few weeks that are, you know, very direct in terms of how you do the write in and everything in those education materials for door knocking. So you can donate at starbuck2022.com, uh, S-T-A-R-B-U-C-K 2022.com. And, you know, that's that's all it goes into is that ground game, you know, that it helps a ton. And that's the only way we're going to win this race is by translating, you know, the movement we had into understanding what they have to do going forward. I will say this one encouraging thing. A straw poll was sent to me last night uh, for the fifth district that I didn't even know about. And um, it had me as a write-in option on it. And we were winning with over 50 percent of the vote. And <laughs> the second place candidate was, I think, at 16. So that was encouraging. I wasn't expecting that um, because it's kind of in alignment with Actual polls sure. from before. Now, the question is can you get the messaging out quickly enough to the district for people to show up and have that translate into actual votes? You know, this is really the first time that I know of in history for a House race where, you know, this has happened, where somebody with the highest name ID with a lead got thrown off and has to then translate it to write in. Lisa Murkowski had a similar situation in yeah. the Senate, but she, she also had like $14 million to do that <laughs> messaging over the course of months you know we have a few weeks to to get it across so you know we're gonna fight we're gonna do everything we can but um you know no matter what i think the message i've given to the tennessee establishment is you're not going to get rid of me or the movement we've built um if you are somehow successful this time we're only going to come back stronger and we're going to replace all of you so you know you can delay the inevitable but it's still inevitable
3: yeah you you've really uh you know planted your roots there and, and just to see how that movement is growing out in Middle Tennessee is something awesome to watch, Robbie. And we'll, of course, be looking to uh, have you back after the primary with, with a full update and, and, and see who hopefully you'll be taking on in, in the general election.
0: And I would but, like to say that when you do pull it off and you do win, it's going to be a very telling thing for the how the country's going right now, which is going to be a positive.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Tennessee GOP has turned – Tennessee five into a bellwether, um, like a true one. Like this would be the grassroots one where you literally have to write in the candidate that you want to win, even though, you know, he he's at the top of the polls and uh, resonates the most within the district. So, Robbie, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to continue to support you, and uh, we'll live link everything in the show description today. Can you give us your uh, website and social medias?
12: Yep, starbuck2022.com, and I'm at Robbie Starbuck on every platform except Facebook. On Facebook, it's uh, slash Robbie Starbuck TN.
3: That's great. Make sure you tell Landon hi for us, too. You know, she's one of our favorites on mm-hmm. the show. We love sitting down with her. And uh, like I said, we're going to keep you guys in our prayers and uh, crank you guys out everywhere that we uh, put steak for breakfast content. This is the man who. I will
12: for sure. She actually heard you guys. She's sitting offset over here. She was watching me and uh, making faces, trying to make me laugh. So hi, she's, she's over there. Uh, she hey, says man. hi.
3: No, that's great. perfect we're not editing that out either because this is the man who's going to be representing tennessee five after the primary that's coming up in just a few weeks august 4th robbie starbuck thanks for joining us on steak for breakfast
12: bye guys have a good day
3: take care write his name in i already feel a little bit better yeah we could talk about funny things now um no surprise to any of us joe biden fell off his bike this weekend
5: (laughs) so i was like I even cringed. I had secondhand embarrassment for the guy. The
0: Secret Service is putting the training wheels back on as we was, speak.
3: It looks so fake, but it wasn't.
0: No, it, no, well, to be honest, those little foot clips get a little sketchy if you you get off balance and you start panicking. But at the same yeah. time,
5: <laughs> why are they? Why did they have them for him? Who puts you an? A,
0: who that? puts an old man like we're gonna we're gonna strap you on this thing so you don't fall off? Oh, so shit, fell off. <laughs> I, I don't want to fact check
7: you,
5: what but training wheels, you know. <laughs>
0: We're going to say... Uh, what miss- if you would have had one of those things that, like, when you hit the ground, it, it, it like, blows up like a giant life jacket? Have yes. you seen those?
5: Oh, my... Yes. I, yes. <laughs> oh. Like every,
3: every inflatable neck vest from every airplane crash movie? Yeah. So, I'm going to say missing context. I, I listened to uh, Steven Crowder this morning, and they did a video breakdown... And although he did have half of the toe secures on the pedal, it wasn't the lock ones. He just no, no,
0: they weren't foot clips. They were just the little yeah, cages that you yeah, stick like, your foot like in. little booties you stick. And
5: it, they were baskets. Yeah, yeah so baskets. Like- well, it,
0: oh, he started to pull it out. He lost his balance, and rather than go back and then out, he just tried to go out. Down and goes Fraser. Down, down goes, goes Fraser. Yeah, down goes oh, corn pop.
3: Believe it or not, Joe Biden was mildly irritated. And now surrounded by the press, once he eventually got to his Did feet. you
0: see the play-by-play where they actually just zoned in on the little girl he was going? He was trying to sniff.
3: Yes, that was good. That was good. I shared quite a few of those memes. Um, and he did want to remind the press, who was kind of hounding him at this point, uh, that he was on vacation.
7: <laughs>
8: okay. <laughs> okay. So you? So, so I'm oh,
7: like
15: on my vacation. Jackals. Yes. Now I'm going to be talking to him.
8: How soon, the President? I went, will be. How soon are you
15: talking to, to Xi? I ain't telling you. <laughs> have you made
8: up your mind
15: on China tariffs, sir? Uh, we're in the process of doing that. You're,
8: you're, you're lifting
3: the tariffs? We're, what? He's lifting the Trump era taxes and tariffs on, on, on China.
0: Why would you do that?
3: Because we, we want America to be last. We want China to be first. No, but
0: like, what possible rational explanation could you have... For doing you that, unless you they got dirt them. on you, they want you want to yeah. ruin the country, you want to just completely implode everything that we've got that is still working. Oh, un- sorry, I just answered my own question. Mm-hmm. Disregard. Basically. <laughs> Fuck.
3: The next day, Joe Biden went uh-huh. for a brisk walk on the beach with his family. He it's was actually nice. accompanied by Ashley Biden, who's become the subject of uh, reoccurring dust-ups now because the legitimacy of that... Diary that was the whole Project Veritas thing where they talked about the creepy showers with Joe Biden when she mm. was a kid. Yeah, are, are, are being rebrought back into the news cycle. I don't necessarily know why. Um, but Joe Biden wanted the nation to know that there's still, you know, maybe some hope, maybe some good. What? About the diary? No. <laughs> about our country, which oh. he's selling up the river or the delaware shores whichever you want to count
15: dear mother used to have an expression if anything lousy something good will happen if you look hard enough for it mm-hmm. we have a chance here to make a fundamental turn toward renewable energy electric vehicles and, and not just electric vehicles but across the board and uh, and that's something we should be my team is going to be sitting down with the CEOs of the major oil companies this week and, uh, i to give an explanation how they justify making $35 billion in the oh, first quarter. Are you
5: planning to sit down with all the gas CEOs, Mr. No. President? Why, why is that, sir?
15: Because my team's going to do that. Okay. But
5: because you did that with retailers and logistics companies and consumer companies. Uh, because I had it already done. How, they can, how can they help what? what? Didn't he right. just
0: say a second ago he was going to sit down with them, though? He
3: said right. He, he did say he and his team first, but then as soon as she asked him, so you're going to sit down? No. Stop it. <laughs>
1: Said my team
5: not by myself
0: i just cannot imagine being on his staff and just like like kjp is just gonna be like fuck now i gotta,
7: gotta
0: oh, put they that
3: one out i'm they, just gonna they love it they love it they love this you think yes just remember the picture The entire White House staff... Well, maybe they get paid more every time he fucks up. Like, all right, here's your bonus. Jen Psaki in the center, when when they were doing Barack Obama welcome the Trumps to the White House, and and they were all standing there with their fucking arms crossed across the Rose Garden, like staring at him with mean mugs. (laughs) Do you remember that picture, Antoinette, right?
5: Which one?
3: When when Donald Trump was coming to the White House for the first time, and he met Barack Obama and and Big Mike on the porch, and the entire Obama... yeah yeah yeah,
5: where they were they looked they all looked so pissed yes like pissed but like defeated and like "Mm."
0: yeah well and it was a photo op just for them to look all it looked like
5: a high school like picture like a picture of a high school like a the opposing team from high school like Like, they were gonna gonna
3: start snapping
5: yeah like giving you dirty yeah exactly like giving you dirty looks
3: (laughs) i just sent it to you guys because i keep it in my favorites mm. but uh yeah that look right there is what you need to uh what they need to harness. And I remember
5: Jen Psaki's face most of all. And that's all. well,
3: her and Susan Rice are standing right next to each other. Um, Biden then lashed out at a reporter because as you could tell, towards the end of that clip, he was starting to get. Why is agitated. Macaulay Culkin in that photo? It does <laughs> kind of look like him. Um,
5: oh my God. I was like,
3: Wait, don't worry. That guy's probably in a cabinet position now. Uh, but you know, they started to pepper him with questions moving away from energy and towards what we're all considering as a, rece- uh, a recession. Uh, Rep. Hayburn, from Democrat from South Carolina, was actually on Fox News yesterday with Neil Cavuto, and Neil Cavuto asked him if he thought we were in a recession. Kind of framed the question to kind of like see if he could save Biden, and he's like, oh, no, absolutely. He's like, if I go to the grocery store and the shelves are empty, we're in a recession. If I go to the gas pump and it's $6 for gas in South Carolina, we're in a recession. He's like, if I need stuff and we can't get it, we're in a recession. And I was like, wow, that's pretty – old statement because he, he talked like 10 minutes before that about how Joe Biden is going to successfully run for re-election in 2024, which I thought was completely retarded, but like all things that are Joe Biden, let's hear him just start yelling at reporters.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
15: Not the majority of them are saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. Uh-huh. But all things aside, no, I don't think it is. I was uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning, and uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. I, feel, I think we're going to be able to. I think we're going to be able to get a
3: change in Medicare and a reduction. Oh, in- stop it! Anyways, he told the reporters that were saying that we're we're nearing or starting a recession to stop saying that because it's fake news. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to say you sound like Fox News, but he bit his tongue.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: We certainly are. I mean, if, if the entirety of the country is not, I could tell you places like California, Nevada, New York, where else? New Jersey, Connecticut, Michigan, all those places, the blue wall states, Pennsylvania, I'm sure for a great part because of how their energy sector has been absolutely decimated uh, by Joe Biden era policies. They're in a recession. Might not be middle America right now, totally, but we're, we're pretty much there. Uh, especially with the inflation rate set to go up at least two and a half points over the course of the next two months. We just got to continue to, uh, you know, focus on the good things like getting these America first candidates in and, and, and stopping this administration's agenda. Speaking of which, um, former steak for breakfast interview ditcher, mm. <laughs> Myra Flores, who won an amazing house seat, uh, about a week and a half ago in Texas 34. First time that a Republican has ever won the seat in 120 plus years. um, mm. Well, decided to go on an interview with Fox News instead, which is completely fine. We'll get her. Um, But she wanted to talk about some of the stuff that, uh, you know, useless Joe Biden and even useless-er Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas are. I really like the segment and I like the way she kind of spits fire. So I brought to the show as we segue to uh, some Trump clips.
8: Yeah, I mean, at this point, Maida, I'm told that the drug cartels are taking home $200 million a week. I mean, it's just extraordinary how much money these uh, criminal cartels are making and they are running the border of America. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas uh, says the border is closed, if you can believe that. Jim Jordan was on this program a couple of weeks ago. He says he should be impeached. And what do you think about Kamala Harris? The vice president is supposed to be the borders are.
5: The vice president is useless. And I do agree that he should be impeached. He is only looking after himself and the Biden administration. He's not looking after the Border Patrol agents that are out there every single day risking their lives and constantly getting criticized by this administration uh, for enforcing the laws that they put in place. And we need to go. We need to start enforcing the laws that we already have and put back the policies that the previous administration that had that were working mm-hmm. and that's the reality under trump we did not have this border crisis yeah. that's a fact yeah. we did not have yeah. this inflation that is a fact yeah. and we need to go back to that mm-hmm.
3: you know she she talks greatly about the, the men and women who serve along the u.s southern border her husband is bpa Oh. And she frequently wears one of his uniform hats to campaign events. Nice. Which I think is a, an extremely nice touch. She'll do great on the show. We'll I
0: think she deserves a little bit more than uh, Medorcas wearing the, <laughs> the Border Patrol jacket. When
3: they asked him what class he graduated with. <laughs> uh, this was given to me, uh, wearing it with pride. Mm. Shut take, the fuck up. Take it off, you didn't earn it. So Donald Trump spoke in day two at the... um the American faith and freedom tour or freedom and faith tour and uh, had a couple, you know what? He did go in on Adam Schiff, but I think he's going to go in on Adam Schiff a little bit harder at the Trump rally this weekend because they're going to have January 6th tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So I held off on bringing that clip. I brought some of his oldies, but goodies and and a few new ones because he is uh, completely up to date on the news. If you remember what happened at the beginning of the segment, he is going to weigh in on that twice. Mm hmm. I don't know if you heard this one before, Noah. Our nation's going to hell. <laughs> Stand by. The Biden administration
17: is a calamity of historic proportions. They're destroying our nation. Our nation is going to hell. Yeah. I want to be optimistic, but you know, it's a little hard. I'm saying I want to give a nice optimistic speech. A little bit hard right now, but we're going to get it back and we will make America great again again.
3: There was a really big crowd there on the second day.
0: Do you think I can get a hat that says that? Make America great again again?
3: Yes. <laughs> um, I, want,
0: I think that's a Bricksuit.
5: They have one. it somewhere.
0: Oh, they do? Nice.
3: We'll have to see if we get out and what they got going on at the uh well, not the ones that are far away, but when you get to the event, they have the tables there with the merch, the oh, officially they licensed. Yeah. Um Speaking of which, he talked about winning, not once but twice, and teased. if you uh, mind your P's and Q's it might be happening again. Ooh.: I ran twice, I won twice. I did much
17: better the second time.: True story. Yeah. Getting 12 million more votes than we got in 2016 and likewise getting more votes Uh than any president, any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now we may have to do it again.
3: (laughs) You know, a lot of people failed to take that into consideration too, uh, which is a straight up fact. Donald Trump did gain garner more votes in the 2020 presidential presidential election, any president in the history of our republic. Yeah. So, and, you know, Republican, Democrat, incumbent, most ever. And it was a 12 million vote swing from 2016, uh, which, again, we always talk about blows the narrative away on referendum. It mm-hmm. wasn't.
0: No. Couldn't have been. No.
3: And, uh,
0: you know. Well, I mean, you got to give Joe Biden some credit. He, he was more popular than uh, Barack Obama.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Trump got more votes. Definitely time, got more uh, votes. Yeah. Biden <clears throat> historical. Yeah, man. Yes.
3: Now, I did promise some new material, and I got it in our last two audio clips of the day. The first one, well, they're going to be both about the same subject, but it is bike related. Donald Trump heard about the spill. Oh. <laughs> Ed wanted to weigh in on it. Let's hear him. But, no, we do hope that
17: Biden is okay. Because that was a hard fall. That was scary. That was a hard Did anybody see it? nope (laughs) of course not well we wish him well in that respect when i was president we didn't blame putin for every problem we just got the job done we got it done like nobody's ever got it nobody's ever gotten it done
3: now you know he was talking about geopolitics right there but you know when he saw that there was a a pretty good reaction from the crowd he was going to circle back to it and uh, in our last audio clip of the day, he talks about the uh, prospective of uh, probably not being a bicycle owner.
17: It's a disgrace what they're doing to our country, but we can erase the calamities of the Biden years. All it takes is a house, a Senate, and a president who will put America first. Hmm. Yeah? One of the greatest travesties of all is to see a person in the White House who, even after years of political experience, has absolutely no clue how to be the President of the United States. And I hope he has recovered because, as you know, he fell off his bicycle today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. I hope he's okay. (coughs) Fell off a bicycle. I make this pledge to you today, I will never, ever ride a bicycle.
7: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just imagine, uh, now you know he brings his teleprompter with him everywhere he goes. That wasn't on it. <laughs> no, but he didn't have it there, but he will be having the rally in Illinois this week, and I can only imagine, after seeing some of the memes, I mean, every one from the one we posted, oh, which was, the, yeah, the big the, TV, Machiavelli memes, the Friday one, which was amazing. There was the one where he like falls through the techno song, oh, yeah. or through the dolphins, and all that stuff. I like just-
0: the Donald Trump golfing and hits him with the ball.
3: Yep, and he's throwing a hat at him. Mostly peaceful. Did like uh, he fell and then he removed him from the bike and did the opening scene of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So that one was also good as well. <laughs> and uh, you know we'll, we'll just have to see what he brings to the show on uh, on Saturday. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We still got three great America First guests coming in right now. And uh, buckle up, it's going to be a pretty biblical ride. Buckle up, buckaroo. There you go. All right, joining us next on the show today, it's his first time jumping in on Steak for Breakfast, even though we've had the candidate whom he represents. This is the campaign manager for Adam Lexall. Mr. Ryan Hamilton, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me today. Sir, the pleasure is all ours. Well, I think congratulations is in order. You guys had an amazing well, you guys ran out a really great America First campaign. You had the Trump endorsement. Adam had all of his great friends out there stumping for him in Nevada, going all over the state. You know, Whitaker was out there. We saw Cash Patel, Rick Rennell. uh There was a bunch of others. Amanda Milius was out there down at the wire. And a lot of the great friends at Steak for Breakfast. And uh, it was really pleasing to see that that message that he's pumped out on this show, I think, He's been on three or four times with us, really resonated with the people there and surged him to uh, an amazing victory not too long ago in the uh, Nevada senatorial primary.
14: It's very gratifying to work with Adam. You know, he's been behind President Trump and the America First agenda uh, since day one and was one of the precursors of Trump here in Nevada. as attorney general always pursued a policy that benefited the people of the state and the country first and foremost and uh it is very gratifying to work for a candidate who's been consistent and uh really i think our time has come uh with respect to this message i think a lot of parents are fed up a lot of people in the middle are fed up it's the first time uh that i'm aware of in my lifetime where there's not really going to be a pivot between primary and general election issues Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about inflation we're going to be talking about uh, the outrageous cost of housing here in nevada in henderson in reno it's very difficult to uh, be a single person and afford a place to live and have very much disposable income left over. And that doesn't even begin to talk about single uh, family housing structures, which are almost prohibitively expensive for families here in the state. Mm -hmm. And so all of these issues, uh, you know, for the last 10 years, the people in power have ignored these issues and they've just become uh, too big to ignore anymore. And I think the The people who are going to look the smartest in the room are the people like Adam who have been behind these policies for for years now.
3: Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest message there. You know, Vegas, there are parts of it that are that are transient in regards to people coming and going. It's, you know, whether it be with business or pleasure, vacation and stuff like that. But there I mean, there are actually people who live throughout the state who are just getting absolutely crushed. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen is a huge red flag. You know, we're down in Southern California, so we're always getting our butts kicked with prices for everything historically. I've never seen it this bad in the almost 25 years that I've lived here. But the gas prices in Nevada, they've never been in the top three to five in the country ever, and we see them like now almost every week. It's like California, maybe New York or Alaska, and then Nevada is in there, and it's like, what is going on? We are number two now for, I think the third week running, we're, we're consistently
14: tied for for two or three. Uh, we outpace Hawaii all the time. I filled up my tank at Costco, the cheapest gas in town. And I don't drive like a big truck or anything, just a Ford sedan. And it cost me 75 bucks for my tank of gas. And, and if I go to like an off Costco gas station, you're talking about $91. Yeah. So things like this used to be the cost of a luxury item, $91 yeah. and now just to do business. To go to work, to pick up your kids from school, uh, to have a life outside of the home and the workplace is is costing people a ton of money. And I'm a big fan of the Dave Ramsey program, the Dave Ramsey podcast. And he said the other day, if you're making, you know, a good amount of money, a, a household income of six figures, it's this is an inconvenience. Yeah. But if you're, if you're on the average, the median household income, this is catastrophic. Yes. And it's looking more catastrophic day by day.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I remember when I was, you know, living paycheck to paycheck when I was really young, and this would have killed me. Yeah. This would have been, well, I guess I'm not eating.
3: Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of the decisions. It's like, does my kid play sports, or do I go to work? Do I have to quit my job because I can't afford childcare, and my spouse or my significant other makes considerably more money than me? And it's like you're, you're sacrificing even more while you're getting crushed by this economy. And then when you talk about, like, the food, the baby formula, the empty shelves and stuff like that, it's just things that we've never seen before. Uh, you know, we've had people from California who who have lived here for decades and they told us they've never seen it this bad. And, and it's turned out to be the same way in Las Vegas. And the, the people who really live there, they, they really responded to Adam's message. They know he's a no-nonsense guy from when he worked in the state. They know president trump even though they might not like everything about the way he presents the package sometimes but when he says he's going to do something he follows through and at the end of the day you take more money home and after almost two years of this now people are starting to see that i think the grass was probably greener on the other other side we shouldn't have you know come over to this other side and uh adam's looking pretty good heading into november i think well to all the young people out there who can't afford to eat the good news is there's really not
14: that much left to eat. So, <laughs> yes, that's true. You're not missing out that much. Uh, well, no, they just I made that think- big cricket farm. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You will eat the bug and live in the pod. Yep. Uh, that is a, definitely a, a problem. Like the the shortages, Nevada also, if it's bad nationally, Nevada is ground zero for things. Mm. Oh, we have it worse, uh, like the second or the worst uh situation when it comes to baby formula right now its availability is very difficult to get uh housing prices here outpace the national average crime is up in nevada Mm -hmm. gas prices second highest national average our unemployment's been brutal but on the other end of that we can't find enough people to work so you know you go to the movie theater you're waiting in the line for 30 minutes on snacks and they're they're hustling back there they're just permanently understaffed so all of these problems are magnified here in Las Vegas and in Reno. And so we, you know, it, it does give me hope about November because we've got unified Democrat government, both federally and here in Nevada, our governor and both houses of our legislature are controlled by Democrats. So there's nobody for them to blame. And in fact, it's been very interesting living in Laxalt world the past couple of days because Cortez Masto is hoping that the voters of the state are gonna believe that Adam Laxalt, who's been a private citizen for the past four years, is responsible for things like the cost of diabetes medicine, (laughs) right? That he's responsible for the the cost of inflation somehow. And that's just a really tough argument to sell. I mean, you giggle when you hear it, right? That kind of that kind of betrays its silliness. So I, I do feel very positively going into November.
3: Yeah, so do I. And I think, you know, probably one of the biggest things, I mean, I'm no campaign strategist, but putting her voting record every single place that people who live in the state of Nevada can see it is it, got to be number one. It would be like, here's her voting record. Here's an equal sign. And this is why your life sucks right now. Mm-hmm. And just go down the list because she's one of the worst ones in, in, in Congress right now. And, and she really needs to, uh, you know, be taken to task, which is what I want to ask you next. So primary to general, election you said the campaign issues aren't going to change too much but adam's going to switch gear we know he's developed a really strong ground game he's well known in the state comes from you know a pretty political family in the region and uh he's going to be you know taking it to show on the road again what are some of the things you guys are setting up between now and then I mean, the, the reality in Nevada is you have to go to these nonpartisan voters, these independent minded
14: voters and you have to make, uh, make them have a relationship with you and make them understand the importance of these issues. And the good news is, is that they pretty much already understand the importance of these issues. Sure. You, you get the point when you're paying $91 for a tank of gas, you don't need anybody uh, on TV to explain it to you, uh, which may not be the issue for some, it may not be the case for some historical issues, you know, school choice, a lot of people that, you know, that requires some explanation. Uh, Why do you care about that? Why that's important? And so this issue is very, very clearly going to uh, to resonate. And then it just is us to up to us to make sure that we get the truth out there. Uh, The campaign is I've always viewed it as something of an educational corporation. We go out there and we let people know about things. We tell them about the truth, the truth about Adam and and his solutions to uh, the problems that our communities and our country face. And uh, if we do that, I, I think we're going to be really good. But if you look at the partisan makeup of Nevada, it's very interesting. We've got a third Democrat, a third Republican, and a third nonpartisan, uh, pretty evenly split. I mean, you're talking a couple of percentages uh, in either direction. And those nonpartisans, you know, many of them don't behave like nonpartisans. You've got about a third of them who behave like really uh, typical Democrats and a third of them who behave like typical Republicans. So a third of the third, you might say, is truly independent-minded and so we've got to find those people we've got to make sure that they understand our argument and we've got to make sure that they vote and the campaign you know it doesn't get um i think a lot of people might try to sell a fancy product but at the end of the day the toolbox is limited you know we have a website we've got we reach people literally any way we can if you have a cell phone we're going to be texting you you'll be cursing our name by the time we're done with the campaign efforts emails, uh, television commercials, door to door. If there is an available avenue to get to those folks, once we identify who they are, we're gonna pursue it. We're gonna make sure that
3: our message is on their front doorstep. No, I think that's the most important thing, and you guys have done an amazing job with it so far. We've tracked this since day one. We saw this campaign kind of start out grassrootsedly, and it grew into, you know, a statewide event that that you guys had a lot of success with not too long ago, and uh, we're looking for you guys to parlay that into the general election in November. Um, Ryan, we want to be able to direct everybody who's going to be continuing to follow Adam. Obviously, we'll we'll get him back on the show between now and November for an update and – but we want to be able to campaign website, what you guys need, ground game, donations, both in-state and out-state, whatever our listenership can do. we got a pretty interactive base here on Steak for Breakfast, and uh, we want to be able to get all that information out to them.
14: You know, the two things that jump right off the page of me are the first is I think we're the first campaign in in the country, maybe in the history of politics, to specifically organize a prayer partners group, which is harnessing the power of prayer to send it to the candidate, the family, to our country. And so if you go to adamlaxalt.com slash prayer, you can sign up for our prayer partners group and you can pray. We strongly believe in the power of prayer at this campaign. Uh, the second thing is, if you're local, you should definitely just drop an email to team at adamlaxalth.com, or if you go to the bottom of our website, adamlaxalt.com, call us, drop by the office, stop by one of our events, learn how to get involved. If you're out of state, do the same thing. We do trainings. You can call from your home. Uh, you know, we can set you up on calls that you want to do. We call people to recruit them to come to our events. We call people to let them know it's time to vote. I mean, we call people with every kind of message. And these are simple, easy. You know, you're not calling uh, a Democrat trying to get them to vote for a Republican. You're right. calling uh, a friendly, easy audience. So there's uh, a way to get involved from for anyone, no matter where you are, that really runs the gamut. If you're willing to pray, we'll take it. If you're willing to call somebody in Nevada, we'll take it. If you're willing to knock on your door uh, of somebody in your neighborhood, we'll take it. If you're willing to table for us at a community event, we've got a table team set up that that we can get you engaged in. So really, if you've got any interest at all, we've got a place and a landing spot for you at the Laxall campaign to contact your neighbors and other people and make sure, as I said, that our message is on the doorstep of Nevadans so that we can really change the trajectory of the country going into this election.
3: Yeah, we, we've really educated our listenership talking about all these races across the country. And we know Adam's senatorial race right now is one of the ones that can uh, flip the power in the Senate. And it's uh, at such a crucial time for this country. We have to be able to put the brakes on this administration from top to bottom. And uh, winning power in the Senate is where we start. And it looks like it's starting in Nevada.
14: Yes, yes, God willing. And in many other places, you know, hopefully it starts on the eastern time zone. And by the time it gets to us, we're just uh, the cherry on top. But uh, we hope to deliver one
3: way or another. Absolutely. And uh, we'll look to have you back as well, Ryan. It was great sitting down with you today. We're going to live link everything for uh, the campaign in the show description. And uh, like I said, we'll get together with Adam it's between uh, sometime now and November. Absolutely. Thanks, man. It's good to, uh, to be on the program. And this is the campaign manager for the America First Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate at Nevada, Adam Laxalt. Ryan Hamilton, thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast. And see you later. Thank you, sir. Joining us next on the show today, he's the mayor of Orland Park, decorated veteran and successful small businessman who will put the people over politics in the 6th District of Illinois for an America First campaign, he's back on steak for breakfast. Keith Peckout, thanks for coming back with us. Thanks a lot for having me. It's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? I'm assuming busy.
11: Uh, yeah, it's very busy. It's actually, I think, slowing down a little bit to here the last week. I, mean, I think people are uh, kind of tired of all the mailers and all the TV ads and everything else they're getting for the governor's race and everything else.
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty spicy in Illinois right now. Uh, I know President Trump's going to be there this weekend. And uh, what are the people in your district? I mean, listen, last time you were on the show, you kind of laid it out for us. You went and delivered. You talked about crime. You talked about jobs. You talked about budget. You said things. You got them all done. You parlayed that now into a U.S. House race. And uh, how are the people, you know, taking that in and processing it as we're getting closer to the uh, primary now?
11: i think we i think we look pretty good i think people um recognize that uh, you know i'm the one person that can take this seat back from the democrats and so i think we have a lot of support on that and obviously since the last time we spoke it's even shifted more from uh a little bit away from crime and now all you hear about is inflation 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 when gas is six dollars a gallon
3: yeah um the economy i think is probably at the top of everybody's i mean there's like certain things that you know national security, the southern border, crime, all those things resonate. But when you're talking about the blue-collar, middle-class families, the people who live in Illinois 6, it has to be the economy right now. Like, gas prices are through the roof. You've got food, double, triple the prices of what you can find uh, just from, like, a year ago. And and you got a lot of empty shelves. You know, I read an op-ed today that said – the the Biden administration did this huge grandstanding about bringing baby formula in. But after like that rollout weekend where a couple planes flew some in from like Australia and Europe, the shelves are empty again. And, and you know, it's, it, that's things that are really affecting the family. Is it gas up my car or let my kids go to like camp this summer? Is it like, let them participate in sports or quit my job so I could stay home and like watch them. Cause I can't afford uh, childcare at the moment. And, uh, when you're out there talking to the people, you're having these town halls, and you're knocking on doors and stuff. Is that is that really what you're hearing from the constituents?
11: Almost exclusively, that's what I hear. From you, hear an occasional other issue, but it's all about uh, inflation, is gas prices, and of course, gas prices feed into everything because sure. everything is transported um, into into the stores. And you know, food, as you talked about, think about the fact that America has to get baby formula shipped in from Australia. Yeah what what has happened here and th- this is all a direct result of the policies that were put in place through covid and others that shut down businesses shut down business relationships that had been you know fostered over 30 40 years because you mandated some businesses are closed some are open you know and you basically created this entire problem you you have inflationary policies of uh, of uh, money supply and continue to print money with uh, ridiculously low interest rates for a long time which overheated the economy you have the issues of paying people 600 bucks extra a week to stay home that we saw with unemployment, which tightens labor supply. And, you know, and then at the same time, like I said, you shut down businesses. So is it a shock that we have a supply chain issue? Is it a a shock that we have inflation? And then, Oh, let's talk about the mandatory minimum wage increases all across the country as well that have inflated uh, wages as well um, in, in many parts of the country. And you find yourself in this, in this problem. And it didn't, we didn't get here quickly, and we're not going to get out of it quickly. No. But one of the first things that we can do is to is to signal that we are going to push for American energy independence again, because that's when, you know, Russia and the Middle East, they're going to open up the spigots and they're going to supply more because they're going to not want our our companies to get uh, involved in increased supply.
3: Yeah. Keith, do you think a part of your plan is really? getting those numbers out there to the American people. When you guys get into Washington DC uh, next winter and showing them how these radical progressive policies right now. And you know, you, you had KJP in the, in the white house press room last week, basically say she was taking a task by Peter Ducey He's like, yeah, we understand it's like this and that and that, but are you really going to not do anything for like domestic energy and just keep your foot to the gas on, on green energy policies and, and, and paraphrasing now, but she basically said, yes, like they just don't care. And I think by winning back the House and then flipping the Senate, there's there's quite a few races right now that could make it 52, 53, maybe 54 seats in, in the Senate. You guys could really take the Biden administration to task and propose and get legislation onto his desk that he could, of course, reject. But it's going to show the American people what the black and white and the numbers are.
11: I think we absolutely need to do that. We need to be doing everything. And this idea of, you know, we're going to force clean energy down everyone's throats when it's, we're not ready for it yet. The tech, the technology is not there yet. We are, we have people making 50 or $60,000 a year. They're subsidizing rich people to buy Tesla's. We shouldn't be subsidizing those electric cars. Plus all this, this desire for electric cars would collapse the grid. If we went to all the electric cars as fast as they said, we are just not ready from an infrastructure perspective. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be investing in it. We shouldn't be looking at it because we need to be doing everything. We should be doing nuclear. We should be doing uh, oil and gas. We should be doing, we have almost 400 years of worldwide coal reserves in just the US. Why are we not spending the extra money to burn coal cleanly? Because we know we have the ability to have clean coal plants, so why not do that too? We should be doing all of it, which will allow all the resources to last longer. Nuclear is the cleanest thing that we have that can provide base load power, and we haven't done any, we've added two, I think we've added capacity to two different plants since 1979. So why are we not, and we operate, you know, naval carriers, naval subs safely with nuclear power, because we're like four generations beyond when the last uh, nuclear plants were built. So we should be doing all of that. And at the same time, let's look at those other energy solutions that we need to have uh, for, for the future and implement those as they become technologically feasible and, and become economically viable. And that's what we haven't been doing.
3: Yeah, we certainly haven't. And, And at the end of the day, we've let it slip so much and now it's really crushing the American people. And uh, I'm sure the people in your district are feeling it. like you say, it's some of their biggest concerns. What do you have coming up right now between now and the primary uh, Keith that, that are really uh, some of the big items on your, on your agenda. Do you have any town halls? Are you guys going to have any more debates or forums? Uh, What's what's the schedule looking like? And then can you give us a primary date?
11: There's no more uh, debates or forums. And so I have a few private events and then mostly we're just out walking and knocking on doors and trying to get people to get out and vote. That's the, that's the big push for the next week. The prim- primary date is a week from today. So it's June 28th.
3: Yeah. We're going to live link that in the show description today. And then can we get your social medias uh, or your campaign website?
11: Uh, campaign website is uh, com, So K-E-I-T-H-P-E-K-A-U.com. Uh, we got uh, we were attacked today by uh, malware, so it was just a matter of time, I guess, when you're the front runner.
3: Yeah, it sounds like you might be right over the target if that's what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Right.
11: And then uh, Facebook's off for Congress, and I think you can link to everything else from the web- website.
3: Well, i live link those in the show description today, and then heading into the summer before the uh, primary elections, we're going to be looking to have you back, Keith. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in uh, continuing your campaign and uh, you know, wish you a lot of success in the uh, primary election next week thank you very much i appreciate it thanks for having me on look forward to talking to you again same here this is the current mayor of orland park who's running people over politics in illinois sixth district as his campaign platform mr keith peacock thanks for coming on with us on steak for breakfast thank you take care all right joining us on the show next uh he's coming in from houston today he's going to be bringing a little bit of different flavor to steak for breakfast probably uh needed in these times pastor Michael Petro. Thanks for coming on the show.
9: Hey fellas. It's good to be on the show. Uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing and, yeah, uh, we, we, you know, we're in the fight I, and uh, we're starting to, we're starting to get ahead here.
3: No, you, you do make a lot of sense. And it's the first thing I want to touch on with you. Now there's probably some economists and political pundits who could spin what's going on in this country in every way, shape or form. Um, there is a huge spiritual component that goes along with all this. We don't talk about it enough on, on political shows, but it, it, it starts like in how the country, in the direction it's going right now. And it goes all the way back to what's going on in the home and in the schools. And it's, it's that it's that spiritual warfare component of it. And, and if you just look at the last year and a half uh, and, and how this country has taken a downward tick, you know, I saw Fox news reported the other day, I, I saw a poll, 17% of the, of the nation uh, doesn't believe in God, uh, mm-hmm. and and doesn't have God in any way, shape, or form of their life or their family's life and stuff like that. And that was just highly disturbing to me. So I think it was almost so beneficial to our listenership to have you coming on this week when when, when we're seeing you know the country in, in such a crossroads right now. What are you seeing from you know your side of the aisle?
9: Uh, well, I I think a lot of what you're saying is true. I mean, our country was founded on uh, Judeo-Christian principles. You know, when we talk about the pilgrims, when they came here, our, our country was founded as an experiment. Uh, basically it was to become the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, our founders were, were Christian. The people that wrote our constitution were Christian. I come from the state of Pennsylvania, the 13 colonies. Uh, you know, you couldn't hold office in, unless you were of a good Christian principle uh, character. And we have, we're losing that. The first shots fired in the Revolutionary War were pastors and Christians uh, that started this, this whole experiment off. We have been infiltrated in this country with an evil that I believe is, is completely uh, demonic, satanic, and I, I believe there's a lot of that, uh, just by what we see happening in media. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the signs that are being flashed by a lot of the musicians, rappers, these are satanic symbolisms yeah. and things that are being said. And, and you know, if you watch real closely, you'll even see politicians doing some of this stuff. And they're they're doing it for a reason. Um, it's 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 their way of saying, hey, we're we we got you know are in control. But on the flip side of that, I'm watching things happen within the church that are amazing. Literally, uh, this past week, we had a meeting with five, uh, 300 Hispanic pastors. They're getting ready to pull together probably at least another, I don't know, seven or 8,000 pastors to do a meeting where we're going to go into those churches and say, hey, you should not be voting for things that are not of Christian value, uh, when you talk about abortion, when you talk about all these different things that are going on, you know, people are realizing that there's there's there, there's a big rift between our government and the church right now. And the bottom line is, there's a move happening within the church. Christians are waking up. Christians are getting in the battle. People do not understand why Biden and the Democratic Party is so hostile against the people of this country. It's because the people of this country stood up in the last election and said, we don't want you people in there. Uh, We're sick and tired of you. So they know that they're fighting pretty much our entire country, whether Christian or, or, you know, just plain uh, 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 values that would be, you know, conservative. And and I, I really feel, fellas, we're on the verge of a massive shifting in this, And uh, if they can't steal any more elections, we're going to win this thing, Mm -hmm. hands down. This is, to me, this is, you know, a Pop Warner uh, uh, team going against, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I believe that's where this thing is at. I've talked, being a pastor, I get to talk to everybody from all different sides. So many Democrats I'm talking to. And even in California are, are saying, we're done with the Democratic Party. When you see guys like uh, Bill Maurer saying, you guys have moved too far to yeah. the left for me. I don't even want to be part of what you guys are doing no more. And now these guys are sound. Bill Maurer is sounding more like a Republican than a Democrat. And then when, when you see his crowd cheering for really Republican principles, that's, that says something. hmm
3: yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that he's been pointing out a lot recently is the attack on the middle class, uh, the family unit, uh, the hypersexualization, and uh, you know, educational indoctrination of children in the schools. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you say this, this administration has been lashing out against the American people because they know uh, that is their goal. Uh, we've seen over the past several decades, you know, elements of communism and Marxism be infused into this country and uh you know for, for decades we heard oh you know just leave the teachers alone leave the teachers alone leave the teachers alone look where we're at now where we're having yeah. like you know all this crazy stuff of replacing the american flag with others in the classroom and it's just you know the, these assaults are coming from every angles. we just can't really worry about the political spectrum. Uh, when, when you, when you take into account, they're going after like, you know, public places and, and what you could say and what you can't say and what they're doing to your children. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where we've never really seen anything like this before. And uh, I think the pushback, like you, you uh, speculate is going to be a lot bigger than people were thinking.
9: Yeah. Well, I, there, there's no doubt. There's, I think there was a, a big pushback back in 2020. But I think it's going to even be worse now because I, I just see too many people saying enough is enough.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: Uh, I have a lot of friends who are black pastors that have been Democrat their whole life. Their churches, they've, they've told their churches, I'm, I'm moving over to the Republican Party because uh, the Democrats don't stand for this, 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 this anymore. And you know what? Their people follow them. It, it's just It's just common reasoning at this point that people are seeing that this has is, this is gone past politics. This is really another agenda, and people are waking up to that agenda. And uh, these are tactics that have been used in the past by communist governments, uh, you know, there's nothing new here. The thing is, the, the great thing is, is we have a military that's basically a Republican military for the most part, we, you know, even with a few people in right positions, can't can't make that change. We have law enforcement officers for the main part that are conservative, uh, valued. We have the people in authoritative positions, especially our sheriffs, our marshals, which are a big part of of our defense. Um, these people are, are on our side and, and we got the majority of the country that is, uh, you know, uh, conservative. And we, we need to understand even a lot of Democrats are actually conservative. They just, they've just, you know, done what they're been told or or think what is truth. And it isn't, they're being lied to and they're realizing that. So when I see people coming out now and just saying enough is enough, I mean, um, I, I said it a while back, I said, you know what, You're really going to see what this whole LGBT issue with with uh, gay rights and and uh, transgenders. I said, when you see this hit the fan and it starts coming into the schools and there's an open push for and there's an open push for power, there's going to be a shift real fast. And that's exactly what happened with Disney. Disney got they got smashed because parents said, you know what? i don't care about mickey mouse and donald duck enough to have my kids be indoctrinated with this stuff and now you see what's happening because the majority of now is standing up and saying no no not my kid and uh you know it's it's crazy the things that are going on but uh, even here in the state of texas they just passed a law because everybody seen what was going on where they're bringing those kids into that transgender club now they're saying that's against the law yep and if you do that, you're gonna be prosecuted. So, you know, people are standing there, I mean, they they they're they're really waking up a sleeping giant is what's happening.
0: Well, the the go woke, go broke thing definitely happened with the, the movie they just put out, the the new Buzz Lightyear movie. And it missed a like the mark were, by twenty
3: five million dollars opening weekend.
0: Yeah, like they made the the total mark of what they were just supposed to make like overseas, I think, or something like that, if, if I was reading correctly.
3: Mm-hmm. And it was banned from, you know, almost two dozen countries. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, it used to be like just a normal component of like a child's life. You go through like, you know, the Disney movies, The Lion King, The Little Mermaid, depending if you're boys or girls, Toy Story and stuff like that. And now it's like mm-hmm. they just want to, you know, we took our kids to see that movie and that whole portion of the movie was completely forced and didn't need to be in there. It gave no component to the story. And they did things that were impossible. There was a girl-girl relationship, and then all of a sudden they have kids Uh, on a place where you know there's not like adoption services there. They were stranded on like some random planet, and they made it seem like that like that whole thing. It's just like you know, it went right over both of my kids' heads because there was all the Toy Story characters and stuff like that, and Buzz Lightyear. But you know, well, it's a virtue signal for
0: the adults. The the kids they just had to have it in there. It's slight indoctrination for the kids, and it's just virtue signaling for everybody else.
3: Yep. Look at how inclusive they are, mm. and then they missed the mark by $25 million opening weekend. How's yeah. that working out for you? They get lapped by Jurassic Park, which was an awful movie as well. Pastor, yeah. I, I think one of the biggest things here, there's a lot of people in our listenership that are, you know, they had a really bad experience throughout the COVID thing. Uh, you saw it probably, and we were at the forefront of it, so many churches who supposedly had, Leaders there, coward to government standards, to huh. non biblical you know things that they forced on their congregation, and and yeah. and they're they're kind of like figuring out how they can get what they thought would be the center and should be the center of their lives back. What what is some of the advice you could mm-hmm. see? I mean, we know you didn't back down and you stood up to all the mandates and the church closings and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, is how are the people out there who who might have not as had a strong congregation or a church? you know, or, or unit where they relied on for the, for their spiritual wellness. Uh, you know, how, how do we get these guys back and get them motivated again to be like, you know, be on fire for the Lord and, and how much that transpires into like really making your life a positive thing again?
9: Hmm. Well, I'll tell you this fellas. Um, biblically, you know, uh, let me put it to you in a biblical te- text uh, quickly. Uh, the early church, and when I talk about the early church, I'm talking about the first 100, 150 years of the church, they all taught that uh, in the days of Genesis that the Lord created earth in the sixth day and the seventh day He rested, but they also liken that to six days of creation as far as God's plan in the earth, or if a day was equal to a thousand years like the Apostle Peter talked about. So, one day for every day of creation was also equal to 1,000 years. Mm-hmm. So, they believed that there would only be 6,000 years before things would actually go back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. And they believed that that 6,000 years would be a battle between evil and good. And so, if, if you take Bible chronology, from the time of Adam till the time of Jesus was 4,000 years or four days, and from Jesus till now is two days or 2,000 years. Mm. So we're at the end of that 6,000 years. So this battle, I've been talking about this for, for years now, about five, six years. I said, we're in the time frame where there's gonna come a switch. And we're gonna see a battle for evil against good, but it's gonna be God's kingdom that's gonna come out. And there's gonna be this transition, there's gonna be this change. But Jesus also talked about a great falling away, right? Uh, if you look at that word falling away in the Greek or Hebrew, it speaks about those who were once in truth and have left the truth. So I don't see a church. I see some of it will, will repent and come back. But for the most part, it has left truth. It has walked away. And that's why we're seeing the things in the earth that we're seeing meaning the church has opened the doors for this evil to come in. Some of the churches in alignment with it, they're in alignment with LGBT. There's stuff coming out every day, pastors saying they're really transgenders. Uh, There's a few of them right now in the Methodist church. Uh, The Methodist church right now, Baptist churches, they're cutting away over like a thousand churches right now Mm -hmm. that have said, we're not no longer following your principles. We're going to go over into LGBT principles and, and God loves everybody, right? Well, God loves truth. He just doesn't love everybody. That's biblically, right? And then I'm not saying anything against uh, people that are gay or LGBT or homosexuals. I have those people in my church that have been converted. So, And, and when I say converted, it's just not uh, it's not lip service. They've been transformed where God has healed them, transformed them. And they no longer have the desire to be with the same sex. Uh, they actually now are, uh, you know, they're, they're interested in the opposite sex for the first time in their lives. So you can't tell me it's a gene. You can't tell me it's biological. This is a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to get back to the biblical principles that Jesus walked in. So what I've seen happening in the church, I expected it to happen. But there's coming. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Lee Dundas, a uh, uh, civil rights attorney, right? They've done a big study into what's going on in the military and all the people that have Come down with heart attacks, sicknesses, uh, mental lapses, mental uh, problems that have taken these COVID shots um, over and over and over. The, the news is coming out that this stuff has been really bad. The uh, insurance agencies, their claims are up. I, I want to say it was like seven hundred percent by people that have been vaccinated. That's, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? But there's going to come a backlash against pastors that have forced their congregations to be vaccinated, that have forced them to wear masks. Because when they, these people start understanding what has happened and where that—I have pastor friends that have died that I begged not to get vaccinated, and they're dead now. I have one person, a, a, a friend of mine, a pastor, that basically his organs in his body started shutting down when he was in Peru— and basically, they, they had to get him back here for to survive. Uh, he lives, he's still alive, but he's, he's deathly sick now. Uh, I had an uncle. I've had relatives that have passed away right after their vaccinations. Uh, I have cousins that are still sick. I, I know brilliant men, business owners that, you know, you would say something to them and they, they, they come right back with a joke or something, some pun that was hilarious and now they can't even talk to you and, and hold a conversation because they're mentally gone. Right, there's coming a big backlash in the church, and I really feel a lot of people are going to leave those churches to come into ministries. One that are going to say, Hey, I, I you know, I told my church uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, I, I seen the fraud for what it was, you know, uh, and what was going on. I told my church, I said, If you're a Democrat, you can leave, I don't want you here. We're not in one accord. We're not on. The, we're on the same page. You just need to go to another church that's going to put up with that baloney. Because when you're talking about what the Democratic Party believes, you can't be a Christian and believe that stuff. And guess what? All my the Democrats in my church came up, and repented, and said, "You know what? You're right. You, I, you made it plain to us." And that's all the pastors need to do. They need to quit being being wimps about this. They need to quit being sheep, and they start need. To, they need to be shepherds. They need to be leaders, but that's the problem in our churches today. We got too many followers and not enough leaders in the body of Christ. So I see a shift of people coming out of those churches and coming under churches that are, you know, pushing this Uh, up. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Rashid Buttar, Uh, uh, Dr. Rashid Buttar. uh, I had a conversation. I interviewed him a while back and he told me, he goes, anybody that's gotten the vaccination is going to be dead in two years. Uh, he was also talking uh, about a, a study that was done by uh, Mont- uh, Montanay, uh, I can't remember his name. He, he was a French a virologist that won the Nobel Prize in medicine for, for the finding out what AIDS was and also creating a drug uh, to battle against it. But he said also that everybody that's taken this vaccination will be dead in two years. Yeah so I just had a meeting with uh, in an interview with uh, Rashid. We're, we're good friends. And Rashid was telling me that we have found a way to get this stuff out of people's bodies. And right now we're, we're taking it and we're using it on a few people. And when uh, he goes, but we're like 95% positive, this is going to be excellent. Right. And so this is, this is, this is going to be a game stopper, which I believe is really a drug that's uh, being used for genocide, but it's all going to come back. It's all going to come back on these people in a way that, you know, uh, when, when you start messing with your kids and you start messing with people's lives, uh, the, the repercussion of that is going to be fast, swift, and precise. People are, have had enough. And, and I watch, and I'm watching it grow. I was on a flight to, uh, um, Oklahoma, Tulsa, and I, I was setting up at business class and I, and there, you know, probably about 20 business people up there and a guy sitting next to me, he was like, Hey, I have seen you. I, Hey, where do I know you're from? And I, you know, I explained that and you know, I talked to him about our program. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen you with this other, co- this other organization. I said, that's right. And, um, he said, you know what? He goes, I'm so sick and tired of everything that's going on. Uh, me and my friends were all military guys. And, and we're ready. We're ready for this, whatever it takes, you know. And I, ha- and I mean, everybody up in that, in that business first class was stunned. And you could see all of a sudden I'm looking around and they're nodding their heads. And, and that was something that really took me back. I said, you know what? People have had enough. And I, we, we got to be very careful right now because there's a powder keg out there. And I don't think that BLM, I don't think that Antifa, I don't think that the Democratic Party wants to mess with the majority of the country. that are saying you're messing with us or you're messing with our lives, our livelihoods, our children, enough is enough. And, uh, and I think people need to step back at this point and really start waking up, especially on the Democratic side, because I'm, I'm looking around and it's, it's a very surreal timing in our country uh, this week, I'm actually leaving to go out to uh, Florida uh, to be with uh, General Flynn's people and also some people that are doing some stuff out there uh, on the Trump party, some of his guys. But it, it's coming together, fellows. And I just want to, you know, tell you guys, your your viewers, be encouraged. Don't get into this. Uh, you know, even though the early church said it'd be 6,000 years or we're there, they did not preach the end of the world, right. you know actually the word apocalypse does not has nothing to do with the end of the world it means to reveal the glory or to to reveal the, the the god's glory you know it's it's not about the end of the world
3: no i mean you make some excellent points there i think everything from the pushback that's undoubtedly on the way to a multi-leveled, everything from spiritual, political, and in the family revival that's going on in this country right now. Yes. You know, the legacy media will do everything they can to minimize it. They'll show rampant crime in in half a dozen cities across the country. They'll make you feel completely demoralized with some of the characters they roll out there and and, and some of the narratives that they're pushing on the people to make you seem hopeless. But that's when you really need to like sit back and reflect on on all the great things you have, you know, this great country, how it was founded, uh, strong churches and leaders like yourself, pastor, and then, you know, your own family members, the head of your households and stuff like that, and know that we're probably in a better place than a lot of people want to feel right now. But it's going to lead to something that's probably going to be absolutely magnificent.
9: Well, brother, you and you and Noah know that CNN has lost ninety percent. Oh yeah, of its viewers. Um, MSNBC eighty seven percent. Well, that CNN app was really good.
3: Yeah, we were we we were killing Chris Wallace in the ratings.
9: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Now think of that. Now. All of a sudden, everybody's left those guys and they're listening to, to us. They're listening to you guys. Right. What does that tell you that? I mean, who was watching CNN? Do you think uh, conservatives were watching CNN? No, no. Think- it, it's all Democrats that have left CNN to go watch. And I was what I was, uh, you know, we're big into media right now. We're getting ready to set up our own uh, station and channel. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that one day also, because I like what you guys are doing. But uh you know, all these people, I'm, I'm watching these uh, Nelson uh, statistics, and, and here there's more Democrats watching, um, independently now, independently, Hannity, um, Tucker Carlson, just independently. More people watch Tucker Carlson, Democrats, than CNN, all of CNN. That's, that's scary. Uh, more people watch Hannity by himself than CNN. Yep. So now between just Tucker and 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 Hannity, they have twice as many viewers as CNN. That ship ain't going to float anymore. Uh, pretty soon, you know that's that's shoot That ship is on its way down. And, and so, but where are those all these people coming? They're coming to us, and they're and they're saying, okay, we want to hear. And you might be out there. You might be a little bit. Uh, um, you know, uh, what do they call it? Fake news or, uh, there, there's another word for it. Uh, um, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're giving out news that is, you know, a, a little on the fringe mm-hmm. disinformation uh, governance board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, I said, yesterday. you know, uh, we, yesterday we were fake news today were the headlines. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, that's where it's come to, and now it's looking really bad. I mean, because it's just one hit after another. I mean, you know, Joe Biden is the poster child for for, uh, for uh, you know, uh,
0: bicycle safety,
9: <laughs> bicycle safety. He's, you know, for for uh, for mental awareness week. I mean, this guy <laughs> is, has serious problems, right? I mean. You know it, it's like I, I had a friend of mine who was a Democrat, you know and he was talking about Biden's this and Biden's that I said I mean, if you've been watching really I mean, are you that brainwashed that you can't see that this guy has dementia? Yeah I mean, this guy's the post, poster child for dementia. I mean you, are you really and then and all of a sudden the, the conversation stopped and he's like, yeah yeah, there is problems and and all this stuff I mean, you go to Mexico. You guys are you guys are close. Go down to uh, go down to Mexico. Look at the shelves in, in the grocery stores. They're packed. Look at the formula section. It's packed. Look at the gas prices. They haven't changed in an entire year in Mexico. And all of a sudden, it's only us that are that are going through these problems. Well, people are seeing it. You know, they're realizing something is happening in our country that's trying to, uh, you know, to take us out of the picture because we're the ones that that have to be pushed out in order for them, for them to do what they want in the rest of the country and the rest of the world. You know, mm-hmm. when you talk about the New World Order, that's biblical also. Yep. How did these guys in the Old Testament talk about a one-world government when it took them a year to go to the next country on a donkey? I mean, come on. I mean, there's so many things in the Bible that, that are impossible. That only, only God could have known that stuff and gave it to us. But, uh, we're there, we're there in a big, we're there in a big glorious change that these guys are, are getting ready to be pulled down. Mm.
3: Yeah. I like it. That's that's very, a uh, great way of looking at it. Pastor, we want to be able to direct our listenership to, uh, find you and, and, and hear your message. It's it's the first time you're coming on the show with us today. I'm thinking that it's not going to be the last. I really enjoyed this segment with you. And uh, we, of course, would love to have you back at some point in the future.
9: Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate that, fellas. I, I know that, uh, man, we're just scratching the surface. But if people want to get a hold of us, uh, they can get a hold of us at vohnews.com uh, or michaelpetro.com. And uh, I mean, we have a lot of articles, a lot of things. A lot of our, vir- our, our uh, videos have been going viral. Um, we, we're also, we work with a lot of doctors. Uh, like I said earlier, Dr. Rashid Buttar, uh, Dr. McCollin. I mean, we actually have people working with him directly. There's people in our ministry with, work with General Flynn. Um, uh, I don't know if you know who Patrick Byrne is. He, he wants to come to our church. He's the guy that caught Hillary Clinton in the pay to play. So we we get some pretty good information. I'll just say that, and uh, you know, it's let me tell you something. I mean, I know when you control the media, you can you can put up any narrative you want, but people are not believing that narrative no more. And and, you know, our country got to come back to prayer, and like you said, it's got to get back to prayer in the schools, prayer uh, in the home, and and people got to get back to this moral. Um, you know, when I talk about moral, I'm not talking like uh, you got to live like Jesus exactly. I'm just saying, for the most part, most people can't even believe a lot of the stuff we say because they really have a, me- a moral way of thinking. And they're thinking, how can people really be this bad? You know, but it's true. Uh, there's, there's a lot of evil. I, we have a girl in our church who's, uh, who's an actress. You don't want me to give her name out right now. She's very well known very famous and a lot of stuff she's telling me what's going on in Hollywood with the uh, adrenal chrome and stuff. She's told me stories that it's true. It's really happening. Uh, I mean, this is satanic stuff, right? She's to the, she's come out of there now. She's selling her house and moving out here to Houston to be with us. But she's saying, I've had enough. I can't take it no more. And a lot of people, producers in that same thing, fellas.
3: Yeah. They're uh, well, Producers like Robbie Starbuck got into politics. Now he's running for a house seat in Tennessee Five. He's one of our uh, recurring guests on the show, and we, we appreciate people like that who are able to uh, get out of Hollywood and uh, get into the right stuff. So, speaking of right stuff, make sure you write Robbie Starbuck in. Oh, well, there you go, Pastor. We're going to live link your uh, websites in our show description today, and like I said, we will be uh, looking forward to having you back at some point in the near future.
9: Yeah, fellas, I'm looking. Where, where are you guys at now? San Diego. Oh, you're, that's right. You told me that's any, I keep forgetting about California. I got to start praying for it more. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> now, hey, listen, did you see any Biden flags or anything when he was running against Trump or did you see Trump everything?
3: More Trump than Biden. I saw, I think one Biden flag throughout oh, the all whole election. All the like Biden that. stuff has evaporated
0: yep, now. It's and, gone. You, you'll see the occasional bumper sticker, but it's mainly just because it's, you know, hiding
3: a ding or a scratch. Yeah, there you go. And partially scratched. Or holding Marietta the bumper
9: t- on marietta temecula all the way up through this uh, all the way up and uh san bernardino i seen one biden flag and trump flags were everywhere they were in yep. everybody's lawns everybody's front yard you can't tell me that donald trump didn't win california
3: i don't doubt it
9: we
0: we called the prediction that it was going to be a red wave all encompassing the entire country and it i believe it was mm-hmm. yeah um, we just didn't get the
9: actual results
3: we had a couple of water main breaks you know what happens yeah. <laughs> and some ballot harvesting
9: well you know dinesh d'souza he's coming out with another video yeah another documentary that's going to show the uplink of where all that that stuff come from Oh wow! this is going to be a really the 2000 mules is going into a whole other release and it's going to be there's not going to be nowhere to hide for these people mm-hmm. yeah
3: well, we certainly hope that some justice is coming Pastor Michael Petro, thanks for coming on with us today on Steak for Breakfast.
9: Amen. Bless you, fellas. Have a good one.
3: Super deluxe Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast today. Going to be a marathon. Definitely going to be worth it. And uh, if you want to hear the other 144 amazing episodes of this podcast, you can find us just about on every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podadder, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patreon Podcast Network on the Roku app. And now, we're on frankspeech.com. We're caught up on Roku now, pretty we much. Love, and we love pillows. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review. And don't forget, download, listen, like, follow, and share steak for breakfast content. Show creds go to all our amazing guests, our little roundtable edition of uh, America First Greatness, Cash Patel, Max Miller. Catching up with Robbie Starbuck was great. Meeting Ryan Hamilton, campaign manager for the Adam Lexalt campaign, was uh, good to sit down with him for the first time. Circling back with Keith Paycal and uh, Pastor Michael Petro. Pretty fiery uh, mini sermon he brought to the show. Guys, don't forget to go out and throw some money at our partners, because when you do that, all it does is help make small American businesses great again. My Pillow, remember, tommies are coming for the Giza dream sheets in the form of walmart ending their relationship with mike lindell we support the apparatus that is the family known as my pillow on the show and when you enter promo code stake at checkout you get big big savings jump on the website mypillow.com promo you know, or forward slash stake or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative 1-800-658-8045 i'm tired but i have on the top tier of ear gear my beautiful over-the-ear headphones from Odyssey. Noah has the same ones on, but not. And uh, you got to get your ears taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay Ready Gear holsters. Easy this week. If you want a picture of Joe Biden eating shit on his bike, <laughs> they'll throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster and get it out to you faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well man rubs don't mistreat your meat it's number one rule you buy it you shake it you sprinkle it you rub it in throw it in the slow cooker a little barbecue sauce right in your mouth num 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 manrubs.com is the website facebook and instagram as well mike down at west coast survival arms got a pretty simple equation for all of your gun related needs firearms parts accessories and ammo West Coast Arms.com is the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love everything they got going on down there and like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocre is the website. And last but certainly not least, I'm looking at my new Walter Version 2 from the Big Lebowski, Zero Fucks Duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday at dumpbox.us. Figure it out. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram upcoming shows we're gonna be back on friday we're gonna have a good one for you then uh let's see who do we got so the goddaughter of ann coulter Mm. kim coulter works for the national file where tom Pappert used to be the editor-in-chief at she reached out she's gonna come on and talk with us a little bit in addition to her arizona senatorial candidate blake masters mr border correspondent himself jorge ventura and the CEO of TMTG, Devin Nunes. They'll all be here on Friday. We're coming back on Tuesday, 628. Former Acting Attorney General of the United States, Matt Whitaker, will be here, and California nominee running in District 3, Kevin Kiley, we'll have him on as well. Vish Burr and Christina Bob are scheduled for the first of the month to start July. Monica de la Cruz is going to be here on the 8th. And former Trump administration official Garrett Ziegler. He'll be joining us on the 15th of July.
13: What else we got?
3: Friends of the week? Let's see. Mostly peaceful memes. Grand old memes. Trey Fanzor memes. Silent meme Jordy. What I mean to say, he was back. Richard Ratboy had a couple good ones this week. Hugh White memes, of course. Um, Got anybody off the top of your head? Nobody? Look at any of our social medias? Ghost Hammer? Sure, he likes our show every time it comes out in like the first (laughs) five seconds. (laughs) And we'll throw them in there with our show credits who go out to the usuals. Cagbrew 88, Patriotic Baby Counts, Mr. Garbaggio, Hugh White Memes, Christina Baba, Save America, and Tom Pepper, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday: Number one, do your own research. We had like six guests today, and if you want the content to be good, you got to do a little bit of research, so you know what to ask them. Uh, number two, start a podcast. Noah edits report. That's yeah, not bad today. All right, you're welcome. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Nobody talks about American greatness anymore, and we need to start talking about it again. And last I still but no, c- well, besides, on steak for breakfast. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. Guys, this has been episode 145 of the show. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with Blake Masters, Jorge Ventura, Devin Nunez, and Kim Coulter. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Rowan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening, Antoinette. It's Friday. I love it. Take care. She dropped some acid in my drink I couldn't talk or even see I didn't think this night was what was in store for me Wish I was chilling with my homie KT So then I dropped
1: on some Anthony B Thank you, boys, for throwing in their frequency I'm a man of large appetites, neither with lunch under my belt I was feeling right peckish It's our pleasure, big Dan Thank you as well for the conversational hiatus I generally refrain from speech during gustation there well, are those who attempt both at the same time. I find it coarse and vulgar. Where were we? Making money in the Lord's service. <laughs> you don't say much, friend, but when you do, it's to the point and I salute you for it. Yes, Bible sales. Now, the trade is not a complicated one. There are but two things to learn. One, being where to find a wholesaler. The word of God in bulk is it were; Two, how to recognize your customer. Who are you dealing with? It's an exercise in psychology, so to speak. And it is that which I propose to give you a lesson in right now. Well, I like to think I'm a pretty astute observer of the human scene, too, Big Dan. No doubt, brother. I figured as much back at the restaurant. That's why I invited y'all out here for this advanced tutorial. Go on, Big Dan. It's all about the money, boys! That's <laughs> it! <laughs> no! Right? Don't get it, Big Dan. Ah! Ah, Just take your show cards. Ah! Ah! Ah!
7: Ah!
1: Ah! And whatever you got in the hole. What? There ain't nothing but a damn toe. No,
4: you don't understand.
1: It's <laughs> You know these things give you warts.
7: End of lesson.